0: to Season 7 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton.
1: Sequelizing has brought Limu by as much trouble as glory. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Simple, straightforward, nice, yeah. I wonder, the name might be a bit of a giveaway there, but I think the quote is subtle enough that some people might not get the reference, so... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tricky. And speaking of tricky and sneaky, also joining us as always, it's Tim Mason.
2: If you want beef, then bring the, bring the ruckus. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> 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 so
0: we're uh, it's a uh, man with the iron Fists. That's that film, isn't it? With with, <laughs> with in it for some reason. But that's not what we're fixing. No, we are in fact fixing something else. We're fixing a Netflix film. Mm. Is that a first for us? We've done straight I think to DVD. It might be. We've done. A, I know you released something on Disney Plus as like one of your pitches, yes. Tim, and that was pretty innovative and cool. We're doing a Netflix film, a sequel to a Stone Cold classic, ladies and gentlemen. We're fixing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. But before we get to that, before we get to discussing the first film or the second film or The Pitch, or anything like that, give a little shout-out to our patrons, because you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, and you can chuck in a few pounds, chuck in a few more pounds, and get a variety of benefits and goodies for your membership and patronage. You can get early access, you can get ad-free episodes, you can get bonus merch, you can get discounts, you can get exclusive live stream invites. You may even be able to pick an episode, or even vote on an episode. Just like they did for this episode. Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon 2 was voted for by our patrons. And if you join us on the £5 tier or more, you can vote on Patreon and pick a film for us to fix. If you support us at the very highest tier, you can actually just straight up tell us what to fix. That is a thing as well. We might argue back. You know, some of you got terrible taste, mentioning (laughs) no specific names just yet. But... Yeah, you get to tell us, hey, I want, I want you to do this in the interseason, or I want you to do this for season eight. Yeah, if you want to join us in the £50 a month tier, you can tell us what to do. Those people, as well as a couple of others, are also executive producers, and that means they get a shout-out on the show as well. So some names you already know already, they're, they're staples of the show, and we've had a reasonably new addition as well. So you probably already know the man who had a, a pick earlier this season. Mr. Stuart
3: Main.
0: Mr. Jonathan Firth-Clark, 在下, 凤阳山, Mr. Mike Salvia,
1: 要比还, and
0: our latest and newest executive producer, Mr. Tyler Rogers. If you'd like to join those folks and support us on patreon you can go to patreon.com sequelizers and get all the bonus stuff all the lovely additional stuff and uh get a shout out on the show as well if you'd like to support us on that tier we very much appreciate your support and uh let's get on with the sequelizing shall we gentlemen because as the listeners know i was born in the year of our lord our lord is me in 1990 i saw this film when i was very young the first one i mean obviously I remember really enjoying it, but not really knowing why, if that makes sense. And then going back and watching it as an adult, I watched it a couple of years, I think a couple of years ago, actually. Yeah, it must have been a couple of years ago, uh, because I introduced it to Emma, who hadn't seen it before. I didn't quite realise just how fucking good that first film is, because it had a kind of like, I assumed I liked it because it's, I grew up watching martial arts films and it was a martial arts film and I was 10, so cool. But that the first film is kind of a masterpiece. It's kind of immaculate, in my opinion. It is an incredible all-time classic film, in my opinion. And the second one just takes everything that didn't work and just like, hey, let let's let's get rid of all the you know interesting chemistry and like, cool. you know what people really liked? They like the people wiggling their legs and wire work, right? That's that's what people really liked let's just ignore all the actual character work and like the lore and the interesting like legends that surround the, the central characters and fuck it. Let's, I mean, we've got Michelle Yeoh, we'll be fine. And Donnie Yen. Okay, cool. Sounds great. (laughs) Nope. It just fucks it all. So yeah, I, I I rewatched the first one in preparation for seeing the sequel and, uh, yeah, the sequel greatly, greatly disappointed. And I, and I think we'll get onto that when it comes to, uh, ratings and rotten Tomatoes stuff because i'm i haven't checked them yet for i'm i'm doing them this this time listeners but uh without spawning i assume it's going to be quite different (laughs) because we had like we've had previous ones where it's been like oh yeah they're a little bit different and all that kind of stuff i I would assume we're having a classic sequelizers drop of a large amount right We're we're gonna have to tim what was your kind of introduction to crouching target hidden dragon first and second
2: so i don't think i saw the original in the cinema but i definitely owned it on vhs mm. and watched yeah, I, I it i saw
0: it on, to clarify i saw it on vhs yeah.
2: as well, i think or dvd um and watched it multiple times as a teenager um but i don't i, I it was one of those dvd uh, one of those vhs that i never got round to buying on dvd and so i hadn't watched it for i reckon at least 10 years maybe like 15 um before rewatching it for this episode and I had forgotten, A, how fucking amazing it is, uh, and B, how how much a lot of it was ingrained in my memory because the VHS that I had was dubbed, um, but I watched it with subtitles this time. Um, yeah. And so it was very odd. Uh, I kept noticing where they had tweaked lines for the dubbing um, I assume the subtitles are closer to what the original Mandarin is, but it was interesting where they had dubbed it for, I uh, I feel like the, the subtitles are probably more accurate from my memory. The dub was a little bit more, let's take the spirit yes, of the lines, but let's yeah. make them, let's tweak them. So they're a little bit closer to how Western audiences like expect dialogue or, or whatever. Um, so that was that was an interesting experience, like rewatching it. But yeah, it's close to being a perfect film. Um, it's it's just so good. Um, yeah. It's and uh, <coughs> like because so much of it was done like in camera, special effects, wire work, and all those kind of things. And it's kind of you know this and the Matrix were when wire work really took off in Western cinema. Obviously. They've been doing it in in Hong Kong action cinema and and uh, Chinese and Japanese cinema for a long while, but but it, this kind of brought it to mainstream attention for for Western cinema. Um, it still looks amazing, and there are still shots in it. it really does. Where yeah. I'm like, because this was before the age of the kind of uh, what was at that point called like the CGI stuntman, which now we just call like CGI, but but that kind of. Uh, I think the CGI double, yeah, kind of thing. which I think kind right, of really yeah, took yeah. off with the Matrix uh, Revolutions when they had the the burly brawl and and oh. replaced characters oh, yeah, digitally. The, all the um yeah. and this was before that, and so that that technology wasn't available. And there's bits that I look at and I go, I'm not sure how the fuck they did that because it looks so smooth. Beyond oh, you know, Michelle Yao just has superpowers like like the bit which
0: she does for yeah. the record. She has she's, done, she's famous for doing some insane yes, stunts. Yes, and also doesn't
2: seem to age because uh, she still looks amazing. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. But like the bit, there's a bit where it's during the initial <laughs> chase uh, when the Green Destiny first gets stolen. And uh, it's a great moment in the soundtrack because it's it's been doing these kind of uh, sort of... Uh, good really good melodies and 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 kind of a, a good chase bit of music but it's suddenly there's a transition where the drums come in like really heavy um and she oh, the drums
0: and the drums in this film are yeah, amazing
2: the soundtrack in, in, in the score in in, in general, general is, yeah, is fantastic but there's a bit where she then she kind of runs down a wall and grabs a stone and throws it um at uh jen and i just I watched it several times because I was just like, "We'll be bringing that up in a minute." Yeah, (laughs) I don't know how they did that. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It just is done so smoothly, and I'm like, "There's no like, obviously, like there's CGI being used to like hide the wires and stuff like that." But like, just the the way that it's such a smooth transition of movement, and I'm just like how the fuck i suppose you just have a really expert crew and you have an actress who's used to this kind of stuff and you can yeah, do really yeah. interesting things but but it's still to this day you watch it and you go holy shit that looks amazing and because it's not really CGI it hasn't really aged like most of the shots in this still look amazing i could uh, i could i could rant about how great the original is for quite a long while but uh, let's let's pass it over to Matt why don't why don't you take us through your history with the, with this
1: I saw it in the cinema. Uh, in it was subbed. I don't think I've ever
0: seen the dub version. I've I've seen clips of the dub. They're on YouTube. But I've I've only ever watched the full film subbed. Thank God. But the early two thousands is
1: where I started getting very heavily. Again, I, I keep saying I used to get very heavily this. I was sixteen years old. Um, but the only thing is, is when I started getting to, to 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 sub very heavily. So I was l- watching a lot of anime and martial arts stuff. And to be fair, a lot of things in France, France and Germany in the dub, because I was because you're a kid and you don't want to read. And more important, I thought if I'm looking at the bottom of the screen, I'm missing all those things I'm looking for on the screen. And then I got to the thing where, I like, uh, the thing, the things that sort of changed. That was in 2000, 2002 sort of period of time, where if I wanted to go to see a screening of like House of Flying Daggers, which came out, or Hero or something, the sc- the early screenings, the press screenings, would have been uh, sub only. So I was like, oh, well, I better get on board with this quickly. I was watching Naruto when it started in like 2002 um, with the DVDs. And uh, it was like, I can't, I can't send this. Believe it! Bullshit. <laughs> so I'm going to listen with the sub first. So I'll just, I'll just read it. It'd be fine. And I kind of haven't really gone back. I I, I should confess, some dubs can be very, very fucking good in terms of any, any form of uh, any, any country, any narrative. Yeah. But the same about the original intended delivery of a line that is very difficult to replicate. Especially, especially in live
0: action. I that's what I was going to say. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dubs not subs guy for anime. And loads of people hate that, I know. But for live action, I cannot stand it. And I, I will briefly touch on this. Is my story about the the show Dark? We're talking about a Netflix film. We're talking about a Netflix show. Matt loves Dark. Yeah, Matt loves Dark. <laughs> <and> everybody drink.
3: <laughs>
0: but I I started watching Dark without knowing anything about it. So I just went in, pressed play on Netflix and saw what happened. And I was like, is the audio off? <laughs> this is really fucking weird. Like everything is out of sync. This doesn't make any sense. And I just got frustrated and switched it off. Mm. And then looked it up a couple of days, like, is it German? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, wait, what? Well, they were speaking oh fuck it had the dub by default
3: <laughs> and it was
0: suddenly like oh hello there i'm sam i'm the main character in dark and you're like what the fuck is going obviously they don't speak like that but you know sure, what i mean sure. like i was like what the fuck is going on and i've had that a couple of times with other international films and yeah i can't bear it, it's really weird i swear by dubs when it comes to anime especially modern anime now that dubbing has become mm. so much easier to do correctly Old dubs. When hmm. you go back to the 80s or 90s, they can be Oh, you're good. in a
1: dark territory there, yeah. yeah.
0: but but subs with live action. I think... I'm trying to think... Um, it's going to... Again, weird little tangent. What's the French film... <laughs> um, they, they fight a wolf or something? Brotherhood of, the wolf? Brotherhood of the Wolf. Is it Brotherhood of the Wolf? That might have been the... It, that it, was, it I saw that in I the think, cinema. Yeah.
1: French film with the Wolf in the Cinema in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah in the early <laughs> 2000s. Yeah, it's going to have to be. Vincent I saw with that a bone whip.
0: I saw that... <laughs> I saw that in the cinema with my parents. Mm. And it was the first subtitled film I mm. like, consciously watched if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Wait a minute. Oh my god. They're speaking French and I'm understanding. <laughs> <gasps> this is amazing and ever since then it's kind of been like, yeah, that 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 I've kind of stuck mm. with that." Yeah. And Crouching Tiger was around about that sort of time. Sure, so sure, you yeah. know, 2000, 2001, it's exactly mm. the same sort of time. Mm. and I think my dad had gotten Crouching Tiger on VHS or DVD or whatever it was. So we saw Brotherhood of the Wolf in in the cinema, and then I must have seen Crouching Tiger a year or two later and been like, well, now I've unlocked this other part of my brain and now have this ability to watch all these other different things that aren't in English. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. I can read subtitles now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Crouching Tiger was one of my first experiences of, of doing that with Chinese cinema. And we've yeah. talked about kind of introductions to different uh cultures and um, to, we talked about our introduction c- to korean cinema previously i think mm. it was on Interseason season episodes and stuff mm-hmm. and my love of old boy and all that kind of stuff and crouching tiger was definitely the the wuxia introduction to chinese cinema for me and i've loved it ever since for a for a I lot see, of
2: people i think you know oh definitely, that's what yeah, I was gonna big say big break I, out in the west yeah i
1: i okay so back to my personal history sort of shit I was working on the entertainment counter in Woolworths <laughs> in Norwich, back when that was open, before it was bulldozed to become a mall. We had this weird th- anti-theft thing, which was such a time-consuming piece of nonsense, and it was a typical cheap British kind of thing to do. OK, all the CDs, all the DVDs, all the videos are coming in. How do we make sure that no one's going to steal them off the shelf? I know, let's have enormous drawers where we empty the content of the case and look, put the case on the shelf, <laughs> but the DVD oh, is yeah, one of yeah. separate drawers somewhere. E-
0: empty cases, and then mm. behind the counter, there's yeah. like a... Which again, they, doing like... They still CX do that in things. video game
1: shops. Exactly. And that's yeah. nothing necessarily wrong with that, except sometimes there is. So, uh, which is my story. Basically, Crashing Tiger, and Dragon was what the... I From my own personal memory, the moment where audiences were like, actually, I would like to see the sub version. And mm. it was where I would have long conversations with customers that they didn't want to have. <laughs> this little pretentious... 18 year old boy Saying Excuse me Do you know If you bought the DVD You can have both It's like What It's like Well you're currently Trying to buy The VHS version Of this movie It's like Yes I am I'm trying to buy it And some little boy Is trying to tell me not to And I'd have to go to the show I'm shelf. trying to be Your fucking customer The yellow, The yellow cover Was the Subtitle version And the orange cover Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I didn't version. know that. There were little card cases. It was, you know, it was a like fancy movie, like Titanic, when it came in a card case. <laughs> um, and no. I don't mean like the American slip card thing. It was like a very folded, very... Uh, the Matrix had a similar thing as well.
0: Like a, like a steel
1: book of the early 2000s. It, basically, yes. <laughs> uh, it's like, this is going to depreciate. <laughs> faster. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I go to the, I just go to the little back bit and I make sure I put the right one in it. Again, so many people came back and said, I ordered this and they're speaking, I, I apologize for the language, everybody. speaking fucking Chinese. I don't mean the fucking, but you know, the, the sort of racist mm-hmm. connotations. Like, yes, yeah. I know it's a Chinese movie. Yeah. But then order that. When did I? It's like, um, the box you have says subtitled, sir. <laughs> it, it, that is, what well, do I want? I want do I? I was like, I don't know. You fucking bought it. <laughs> in my first job, I got in trouble actually. The, um, one Christmas, uh, someone bought a Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Color, I think it was. One of the two. It's sort of a uh, version of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. But they only had a Game Boy or something. So they couldn't reverse play it.
0: Oh, God.
1: And then I said down it was like Christmas Eve. I said, what can we do? And they said, can, I, can my child play it? And then, uh, you know, get it refunded on. The day after, I said, well, you can't. I don't think that's possible. And again, I'm only, this is my first job properly as well. <laughs> and I said, I don't think you can do that. And the, manager, the manager's like, we're closing up. She's sort of looking at me, the assistant manager. And then the phone call carries on and she's watching. And then I say, Well, you should look beforehand. Should <laughs> <you?"> <laughs> and she said, Excuse me. And then it does then say color
3: down the she, side. Yeah, she
1: took the phone panel. <laughs> and I thought, well, That's very stupid fucking yeah. fault. But yes, taking things out of the cases was problematic. When you get to PC games and you need an exclusive code that you're like, Oh, and well, all these are ruined oh, now. Yeah. Yeah. But the DVD was like, and this was the thing about the sort of the crux of the story here. I was pushing DVD saying, You don't need to buy the sub or the dub version. DVD is both. You can change the audio while you're watching it in the video. Yeah, she's changed subtitles. It's worth investing in this because it did change the video market. You're like, you have to pick which one you're getting, the subtitled or the dub, or alternatively the DVD or whatever the video go forward covers it. But that conversation became a big thing because pe- the average you know person was like, oh, this thing's won a load of awards now. I want to know what it's all about. I've heard it's really pretty. And you would get a lot of people returning things off and saying, I don't like it. It's like, that's not how this works. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, there was a surprisingly low amount. Obviously, yes, it's dub, not sub, whatever. But they wouldn't have said, I didn't like it or something. Maybe they just didn't like it, chucked it in the bin, who knows. But uh, they didn't try and get a refund for it. So it's a strange one because we always we 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 acknowledge this every now and again. Producers always claim to know what's going to be the next big thing. They almost always talk straight out of their assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Because nobody knows. I mean, you can ha- you can force something, you can push something, you can say, this is going to be a big success. I know it because it's a good story or it's going to be a great thing. That's fine. Nobody knew Game of Thrones would be big and then forgotten immediately once it was ruined. <laughs> um, nobody knew that Lord of the Rings would have the impact it did. Uh, nobody knew that The Walking Dead, a zombie fucking series, would be a success. You can't tell these things going into it because the public are fickle and weird. They don't know what they like until they suddenly see Tiger King, for motherfuck's sake. Um, even Queen's Gambit is the one that everyone's currently yeah. around the minute. It's like, took 30 years to get made and something like that. It's like, yeah, that's, you know, from a, like a an 80s novel adapted into this series. You The public doesn't know what it wants or likes until it sees it and everyone starts talking about it. Um, and usually it's because it's very well made and very well done, et cetera. Um, but Crouching Tiger and Dragon did spark off a lot of these things and it, it opened a conversation. I think like uh, with with what Jack said, I think it did, um, even if you had some history with Asian cinema, or martial arts,
0: or anything like that in general, it kicked the door open more for the mainstream. And this is also a kind of, I'm um, not to use this term derogatorily, but like, it's a blockbuster version of this. This is a way higher budget than you oh, might yeah. have seen God, previous yeah. Chinese cinema, mm-hmm. but it would have a drawstring budget and just be like, full of people you don't know and don't recognize. It was like, well, that's Michelle Yeoh and Chow Young fat <laughs> <Holy laughs> Th- That's the guy from all the John Woo movies. He's in this. <laughs>
3: He's hard boiled. He's
0: awesome. Yeah. Like you actually get name, and then as we we're saying, the cinematography and the effects, both practical and and the mm. CGI stuff they use, is just totally, as you said, Tim, totally holds up into the point where you can't work out what they're doing. And interesting, you brought up Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings there, Matt, because I remember again when I watched this a couple of years ago, I rewatched the first one. We'll mm-hmm. get to the second one in a minute. And it says, Don't worry, <laughs> but. I didn't know it was based on a book until a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. I'd never yeah. really researched into it. I just like, I watched that film when I was a kid and I loved it and I haven't thought about it since kind of thing. It's was like, yes, it's based on the fourth novel. I'm like, what? <laughs> are, there, are there a bunch of prequels then? I was like, no. Okay. Uh, what? Why? I was like, okay. It's based on a 1941 novel. I'm like, what? <laughs> and the same way that Game of Thrones, like the first Game of Thrones came out in like 1996 or something. And then... Fantasy fans liked yeah. <laughs> it, and then nobody did anything with it for 20 years. And they're sort of like, Here you go, here's the entire series, it's going to finish before the books. You know, <laughs> and the same thing with Lord of the Rings you've had various adaptations, you've got TVs and radio plays and audio books and all kinds mm. of stuff throughout the years, throughout the decades that Lord of the Rings had mm. been around. And then the films, the Peter Jackson trilogy comes out, and so he's like, Well, that is the fucking definitive yeah. version of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. and in the opposite way I had no idea Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon was a book and now I'm kind of intrigued I've been meaning to do it ever since I found out y- you will have a problem then because exactly the I, cranion- I then found out
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Crane pentology is fucking I don't think it's even been translated into English no <laughs> you can't find it fucking anywhere and by the way it's my pitch and- fuck me in the face. <laughs> Trying to find even a synopsis is really, really difficult because you think, well, I might as well just carry on with the adaptations. Oh, well, good luck. You may find yeah. some loose bits of information and we'll come back to that in the
0: sequel. And and I think that the fact that it is a, it's, it's the fourth in a pentology, mm. so five book series, mm. the Crane Iron series, as you just said, gives it a lot of weight. And I think that's why the characters in the first film work so well. And, 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 Consequentially, why the ones in the second film don't work hmm. is that you kind of just join them, and they're already like legends. Hmm. They're already really cool, yes. and you straight away you're like, "Well, I want to know his story. He's got a <laughs> like, bai has got this amazing sword. Like, what the fuck is this? Is this is really cool? That's prequel cool territory. Like, Watch out. you be careful. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But the fact that they don't tell you is what makes yes, it so special. It does, yeah, you're just. They show and don't tell, and that is so important to where you get like mythological, fictional, lore, legend-based stories, and it just makes them feel even more badass Mm. and cool than they already are. We're just like, you're not told, like, oh, yes, Limo Bai, he's been travelling, and then there's a flashback to him as a kid (laughs) for half an hour, and then here's the prequel Mm. bit, and there's a young blah, 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 and you see him like growing and blah, blah, blah. You see a little bit of that, you learn a little bit of his story, and then they leave it. And then a bunch of other characters show up who are basically in their own movie yeah. trying to steal the sword themselves. And like it feels like a fleshed out world straight away. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the second one tries to do that and carry on with the Sword of Destiny and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work. They try so hard to lean on that legend and the lore and the legacy of the first <laughs> film because that first film is so critically acclaimed. But they just don't. Whatever it is, they just do not pull it off. And as I said, they they try and like pick all the bits that worked, and then kind of forget all of the magic, and then be like, just churn it out. It'll be fine. We've got Michelle Yeoh and Tony Yen, <laughs> and it, it's just boring and nowhere near as interesting, and doesn't have the the lore or the legacy or the interesting characters or anything like that that the first one does.
1: I think I think it's a very astute way of putting it with Ang Lee's direction and stuff. The idea of uh, show don't tell kind of things because. There's a lot of really emotional scenes and there's lots of um, uh, stuff that's put in there in terms of very romantic as a story on, on so many multiple angles. But most importantly, it, it, it tells you really key information with visuals and never confirms why. And you like during up.
0: fights and stuff, which is my yes. favourite thing. You learn and, about the characters as they're hitting each other or not hitting each other. In some per, way. Precisely,
1: it's the yeah. control that goes into it, and the way people lean back and it's like, oh, they're they're toying with you. And there's one scene with the she's trying to, trying to flush out the the gen um knows sword play, and it's being revealed by the way that she writes calligraphy. Yes, and it's yes. like you fuck. it. And the thing is, you so may not cool. even pick up on the as an audience what this actually means, but it it's it's it comes out quite apparently for um over the time you think, oh, oh shit, she's on something. I don't know what it is, but I think I'm on, oh, I think I know what it is. It sounds silly because it doesn't talk down to the audience. It'll like, It's like, we'll take you with us. You may not know exactly why, but you'll get it by the end of it. I won't tell you directly, but you'll understand through music, which again, the score is fucking gorgeous. And through the performances and through the camera direction. And there's so much going on that is frankly masterful. And Angley does this in a lot of films, not the Hulk, but a lot of films. Um, and, um, <laughs> Not the Hulk. Not the Hulk. Or Gemini Man. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. I forgot that film. I had <laughs> yeah, forgotten that one, man. Uh, Okay, well, we won't get too much into the sequel just yet, because we'll, when we rip into that, we'll go in, go in hard. We we need to fawn over the first one more first. But no, but it, it, it does <laughs> so much visually and patiently to really bring you the sense of the characters, the world. And as Jack said, there's so much history there that it I think feels patience so patience is a great word for it mm. well.
2: yeah 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 i think i think the the degree to which lee is willing to kind of like step back and let things play out um and give you a, a slightly more you can feel the kind of the the formality of the situation mm. that they're in that even though lee mubai and julien are these Mythic heroes—they are still constrained by the society they're in, and the pacing and the um the direction play into that so much. And it's it's kind of fascinating that you know Angley's history to this point was you know he'd done Sense and Sensibility and he'd done the Ice Storm and he'd done these Mm. these very family dramas. That tone is so much in this. That kind of the these ideas of like obligation and like the cultural kind of situations that you find yourself in that contemplative mood is not at all in the second one um it, mm-hmm. it completely loses that aspect and that is kind of what makes the first one so good is because it, it you know there's um there's the talk about uh in musicals like how music the music kind of breaks out at the, the points of highest emotion And the characters can't sort of contain themselves anymore, so they have to they have to sing and dance. You
0: can't explain something through dialogue; you're forced to sing. And if you Mm.
3: can't do it through
2: singing, you do it through dancing. (laughs) (laughs) It's you know, it's much the same in this in the action, you know. And it's it's these people kind of yearning to express stuff, um, and then it comes out in these bursts of action, which even them even they don't feel frenetic. The 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 editing and the direction keeps the action so it doesn't keep it a a remove but it 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 doesn't feel like rushed or hurried i think patient as matt said is such a perfect word for this film because it it's willing to take that time it doesn't it doesn't feel sluggish um i think the only bit that kind of does is the flashback to the desert stuff which i think could maybe lose like five minutes and instead have five minutes of the of the relationship like in the current day instead I think would maybe benefit it but 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 for the most part it just it it gives you that space and time to allow these things to play out and to give the actors time to find the really subtle physical moments and and the the longing between like Li Muba and and julien like is so. It's there in the pauses. It's there in the just kind of sitting patiently waiting for each other.
0: I remember again watching it when I was a kid and because it just the way the the story flows with these legendary characters and as I said, you're kind of dropped into the middle of it not knowing anything, especially as a as a younger person or a teenager or whatever you are when you first watch it. You then See these incredible, like floating, wireworky things that just don't seem humanly possible, and all these characters seem like these like magical, crazy fighters. It almost felt to me uh, like re-watching it, like, as you said, the emotions overflow to the point where they like have to fight each other. It's almost like the fight is happening in their head, and like it, it's like an argument happening between the two characters, but they're not expressing it through dialogue they're fighting or chasing each other through the trees and all this kind of stuff. Like it's, it's just another way of somehow telling that story and bringing emotional beats into choreography that makes it feel like this weird mythological dreamscape that is, is anything real? Because this feels like we've talked about historical epics and like, you know, we've, we've fixed a couple of them previously. It's a period piece But it's fictional, so it's like this weird thing of like, is this real Chinese history? And me being a you know twelve year old kid or whatever I was, like, is this based on like real legends and lore? Chinese people fly? Oh my god, (laughs) that's it, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you get to that point, and then suddenly they start flying on the tips of the Mm. bamboo, and you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) wait a minute, that's not real. But that was always the impression I got. Like going back to it and thinking, like, this all feels so wistful and dreamlike and patient and floaty mm-hmm. in this weird way that just accentuates all of the emotion and the god I love the fact that they're basically in love with each other but they can't do anything about it and it's just so ah, good the longing they <laughs> they ah. the longing and the chemistry and the the oh it's so good and I I if any other like film I think i will be like and then they kiss, and you'd be like, ju, 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 fucking <laughs> like the, the longing is the key. That's the mm, see, that's I, the I good think, stuff. I mean,
1: no, no, I think this is this is almost entirely accurate because of the period and setting. This may seem very condescending and very uh exclusive, shall we say? So, I may be talking to my dick, but I think it really resonates with uh Eurasian nations, shall we say, and African nations as well, something that's got a lot of history behind it. So, um. And I mean I mean, yeah, not you America. well, I mean, obviously America has a lot of history, but I mean, it's been colonized and brutalized by you know us, um, so that history has been um, crushed. But what I'm trying to say is there's a f- almost folkloric fantasy legendary sort of side to it, and it has all the things that people in like say um, India and north africa and and the and Europe would identify with very easily that sort of like misty past with strange sense of how should I say. Um, personal conflict through honor and things like the idea that you have literally the juxtaposing between young brash romance you know fools rush in kind of thing and old forbidden love and it's just like that's such an iconic thing to see in so many tales across as i say all of india and europe there's so many stories from the past i mean like medieval times of you know a quintessential folk tale kind of thing that we've not grown up with individually, but grown up with as a society, as a people. You know, if we look back, even like through Shakespeare and stuff, it's been inspired by these kind of stories. And so there's a familiarity to it, despite the fact that it is in an entirely different setting with people who can basically fly up fucking bamboo by running <laughs> fast. But that doesn't matter because it still feels you you feel the sense of 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 uh, a comfortable uh, sorry, a comfortable familiarity for the notion of if you, if, I mean, I watched it as a, just as to, to, to round this off, I watched it as a young man, uh, as a kid, basically, and I was like, that's cool. And it was more the idea of identifying with, you know, the bandit and the thief, and this this idea of like this, the cool roguish characters. And then you get older and go, oh no, the real is <laughs> here. It's these two who are so desperate to be together, but they won't allow themselves, which is why the sequel makes me so angry. <laughs> and um, yeah. it's like, there's so, and it's like, the only thing holding you back is yourselves. Society, yes, and culture, yes, but really it's just you guys. If it mattered, you guys are like, no, 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 because some things are more important than us. It's like,
3: wrong <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> No!
1: Don't deny this to yourselves, you fucking. And that's the point. The older you get, the more you appreciate that shit, the more you get your life experience. And I think it is a film you can revisit so many times and get so many things out of. Because it's a fucking masterpiece.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 a you were talking about kind of folklore and stuff it's a it's a romance in the very traditional sense in that yes, yes. it is both about romantic love but it's also about codes of honor and chivalry and obligation to yeah. to to higher principles and you know and and that comes with a certain amount of you know action and stuff going on but also mm. the idea of people having a certain place in society and feeling beholden to that. And then, and then obviously you get some interesting characters who are like, no, I reject all of that. And they can be heroes mm. or they can be villains, depending on mm. how they approach it. Um, and I think that is why it does feel, it feels universal, even though it's so completely of its setting and, and yes, uh, wonderfully realised.
1: Because it's hard to say how, how and why was this popular? Yeah, I mean, I know why it's good, <laughs> but why was it popular? Yeah. Mm. And I think it's because it's that identifiable nature of in mm. the same way. Like, why was Star Wars popular? I so, said, oh, well, obviously the technology. No, 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 no. Why did people watch it? If you you can have so many technically accomplished films and people don't watch them. Why was Lord of the Rings popular? There's like so many things you think. Why does this do well? It's like because people see themselves in mm. it,
0: in in some sense or another, or it feels familiar. So yeah. To move on to the sequel briefly. Because, because <laughs> the problem with the sequel and, uh, you know, we're here to fix bad sequels. That is our as our slogan here on the mm. sequelizers. The problem with discussing the second one, and I feel so, maybe not more than any other one we've talked about, because there's been other examples of this, mm-hmm. you can't help but compare it to the first mm. one because they keep referencing the first one and doing it worse. Yeah. Mm. Like, the, the perfect example for me... Is obviously the restaurant fight. Mm. Because oh. Jen's restaurant fight in the first one is fucking spectacular. Mm. And it even has a brilliant gag at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Even after all the, this floating, amazing, spinning, yeah. twirling, epic battle across this thing, it's like kill Bill with wires and crazy, like
2: and it and it kind of starts oh. out with a with an almost like comedy of errors like stuff. Exactly. Um yeah. yes. oh, it's, so, oh,
0: it's so good. And then ends, and the last <laughs> couple of guys are like, "Uh, um, oh, 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 shit!" And then the like the middle section, the bridge thing, like collapses. Yeah. You're like, "Oh god, that's so good!" <laughs> and they do a restaurant fight in the second one,
3: yeah. and it's just
0: a fight in a restaurant. You're like, "Okay." So when's the, when's the mag- when's the magic? And I keep I know I keep saying magic, but like, there's just something missing there where like. You're you're copying the first one, but you need. And we've talked about this so many times. You need to do something different or something better mm. to justify having a sequel. You you can't just reference the first one and just be like, remember this? Yeah, remember. Me- See, <laughs> you like fights in restaurants, right, guys? Here's a fight in a restaurant. Mm. Like, we liked the other one because it was beautifully choreographed and also hilarious somehow. <laughs> this is uh, the choreo- choreography in the second one is still good. Mm. There are certain moments... I really like the, the ice lake fight is the standout yeah, one that's for me, that, yeah, the, where they're like skating. So that's a, that's a nice twist on the kind of like floating through the cheese and the kind of like jumping up off, off of bamboo and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Basically, ice skating and fighting at the same time is a really, really cool idea and a nice little twist on the kind of, as we said, the almost dance-like floaty kind of style yes. that the, yes. the first film has. That's about the only original thing... The second film does that I feel is anything that compares you know relatively to the first one, anything else it tries to do you've got the kind of cool swaggery guy whose name I can't remember, which says it all, who is basically just <laughs> low the bandit from the first one, you're like, well, yeah, yeah then why wouldn't I just go?" There really is like, why don't you just go and watch the first mm. one? Mm. Whenever you think like, oh, I should watch Sword of Destiny. Don't. Go and watch the first yeah. one again. <laughs> just watch the first one twice in a row. because when everyone it, says, I'm going to watch this film. No one's thinking yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. Yeah. Like I said, like, I, again, I watched it more than a couple of years ago. It's like 2016, isn't it? The, yeah. the sequel. So yeah, I, I, that was the most recent time I'd rewatched it before this mm. episode. Mm. Um, in preparation for the sequel. Like, oh my God, they're doing a Crouching Tiger sequel. Yeah. I was excited. I shouldn't have been. I should have known better. And then the year later, we started sequelizing. So it all makes sense. Destiny. <laughs> Finally, the sword of destiny has been reclaimed. But yeah, there's just anything positive I say about the first, mm-hmm. uh, sorry about the second film, can just be multiplied a thousand times and applied to the first one. Like, oh, that was a quite a good fight. Like. Yeah, but there was a much better version of it in the mm. first one. Oh, that character's quite cool and quite funny. Mm. Yeah, there's a cooler, funnier character <laughs> in the first movie. So, yeah, like again, Michelle Yeoh's great. She's mm. always great. And she was nearly 40 in the first one. Mm. She's nearly 60 now. Yeah.
3: How is that even possible?
0: <laughs> it, she's just an ageless, incredible, incredible actress. <laughs> Um, Donnie Yen again, always amazing, always amazing. I mentioned Ip Man earlier. He is yes, yes, yes. he is one of my favourite martial artists in in cinema. One of the best, you know, that kind of genre in in the last couple of decades, in my mm, opinion. Mm. But it just doesn't get it. it I don't. I can't quite. I, this is terrible podcast material. But I can't put into words why <laughs> it doesn't work for me.
2: I uh, yeah. It's funny because in a lot of ways, it looks. It Feels like a sequelizer's pitch, like this Mm. film, because (laughs) you'd go, you if you were thinking, like, okay, we're going to do a sequel to Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragons, like, oh, okay, well, it's an adaptation of the books, let's go back to the books, let's adapt Mm. the next novel in the series, okay, let's let's bring back Michelle Yao, let's who we can't, we you know, Chao Yun Fat's character dies at the end of Crouching Tiger. Uh, like who else can we bring? Oh, let's bring in Donnie Yen. Like he's really good. Oh, uh, Yun wu ping did the the fight choreography. Let's bring him back as director. All of those decisions individually make sense for the most part, but it it adds up to something incredibly soulless. I think it's very telling. This was only about the third film that Netflix made as a as a producer. Oh, uh, right, as okay. In terms of like their yeah, original content this mm. was very early days for them you know uh, they did house of cards in like 2013 and then there was quite a big gap before they did the next stuff where like orange is the new black and, and things like that came out um and this was one of the first feature films that they produced to start with it feels really cheap it feels so it feels very studio bound in a way that is very noticeable it feels that is one of those things where if you're watching a film and you're like, I can't put my finger on why, but this feels cheap. 90% of the time, it's either cinematography or it's lighting. Agreed. And in agreed. both of those, like Yun Woo Ping obviously is a fantastic fight director, did the fights for Crouchy Tiger, Hidden Dragon, did them for The Matrix. Thousands of films probably over the years he has choreo- done the fight choreography for. The fights in this are pretty good. But in terms of direction, he is so different to Ang Lee um, that it feels like these are coming from a... These feel like they could be fights in, like, a Power Rangers show or, you know, something like that. He also doesn't have the skills for the other part. Like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, yes, has fantastic action in it, fantastic fights, but that is just a part of what makes that film so good. And all the mm-hmm. other parts are absent from Sword of Destiny. It's it's just the fights, basically.
0: Yeah. And I think the cinematography is such a key thing you touched on there. Because the first one looks so good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in perfect shot choices and these wide angles and these perfect little close-ups and timings and sweeps and all this stuff. Peter Powell's work on the first one is... Nothing short of incredible. I agree. And the second one, as you said, Tim, just looks cheap. Because, no offense to, and I'm going to have to look the guy's name up. Newton Thomas Siegel, I believe. Newton Thomas Siegel, thank you very Who much. Who
1: did Drive and other bits and things. I know, but, but, but visually <laughs> it's very uh, <laughs> an appealing film. He also directed the... Uh, he's a cinematographer, X-Men and X-Men and 2 yeah, and Usual Suspects and all stuff. other Bryan yeah. Singer stuff and ooh. <laughs> yeah. But... um but yeah, he 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 is a capable cinematographer. So I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It's the it's the relation between the director and the cinematographer. Mm. If you can't convey what you want, yep. you end up with something that's yep. flat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that you don't have that perfect chemistry and mm. uh, I need another word, the magic <laughs> of of the combination of director and cinematographer mm. and mm-hmm. choreographer as you said, like the choreography in both films is great. Because you've got that continuity there, but it's just not the combination of Ang Lee and Ping and Pow all working together in this perfect Mm -hmm. little package that just creates a little masterpiece. Whereas you take away one of those bricks and the whole house comes crumbling down kind of thing. And in theory, some of it works. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here Mr Stockton because you're fixing this one so you've probably mm-hmm. done the research this is based on the next book right this is on the, in the technically fifth, yes the fifth technically book. no
1: because <laughs> i i believe of
2: course. and i could i could be completely wrong here because i didn't do a huge amount of research the sure, the, sure. The, the the pentology or pen whatever five books yeah, the yeah, five the book, book right. series yep. it's yeah. kind of more a thematic series than uh following the same characters i believe it's
1: or, uh, it's generational. It, yeah. yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. Part of, just to sort to, to, of to tie this all in, part of the reason I don't think this works, uh, I would agree entirely, direction and cinematography are not good. On occasion, you can say, well, of course you get an actor in this franchise to direct the next film. Of course you get the, 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 the stunt team or something like that to direct it. So it makes complete sense, like with, like, with um, John, John Wick, Wick is stuff. always the best example, on, yeah, yeah. yeah. That could be true, sometimes, <laughs> but <laughs> direction is not just one thing. A cinematography again is it's like you can even take a competent, capable cinematographer, but you're taking a cinematographer for a very different kind of film ha- who may not understand or notice or really care what they're going for. And that's if you are going for, we want continuity or we want something that's going to appeal to a contemporary audience. And that's the other thing as well. Where do, where do you strike that thing? And we we always talk about with Blade Runner 2049 or something like or Mad Max Fury Road, something that's going to be it was, and, and we did this for our own pictures sometimes. We say, do we do a film that was like a couple of years after, contemporarily at the time, make it a 60s movie, a 70s movie, whatever it's going to be, or do we release it in 2020 or 2015 uh, or something? Like you did with Zulu and Zululand, mm-hmm. as a perfect example of It's that. like, it's not going to, I mean, uh, case in point, my Zulu prequel is not going to look like Zulu because it's a fucking Steve McQueen film. <laughs> and I wouldn't want it to. You don't need that exact fidelity, shall we say, That continuity, Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, they're not the same thing. One's it clearly a Ridley Scott film. One's clearly a Villeneuve film. A lot more smoke, Um, (laughs) but um, (laughs) but but the it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just reflecting the times of change and so on and so forth. But with this, it was a mistake in my opinion. The other big things, and these are very very big things in my opinion. I'm one of the very few people who actually enjoyed Marco Polo, the Netflix TV series. I thought it was alright. Had a lot of potential. It was quite interesting. You,
0: you've recommended it to me a couple of times. It's yeah. it's all right. I have it just not seen a out. second of it outside of trailers.
1: Yeah, it's it's annoying now because it's obviously, again, it ends on a cliffhanger because Netflix went, nah, we're done now." Um, but John Fusco, or Fusco, I think it's Fusco, um, wrote Marco Polo, and wrote Sword of Destiny. And I have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with the and Western person.
0: favourite film, Spirit Stallion of the <laughs> Cimmerons. Well, he... he, he do you dare he wrote, defend that. He
1: film. wrote Hidalgo, though, and that's a good film. Loves true, his horses. True. Loves horses.
0: Loves
1: horses. Loves horses. honestly, right. He wrote something else I thought was actually quite good, and I can't remember what it is now. He did Forbidden Kingdoms, all right. I remember that much. But he mostly just does things that are fine. He did Young Guns 1 and 2. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Sure, why not? Yep. Yeah, so mullet cowboys. Um, <laughs> but, but basically, it's not the right person in my opinion and I think I'm not again this is a, a very hypocritical thing to say because I've written a fucking pitch because the nature of us doing this but I don't think he was the right fix or, uh, uh fit sorry for this I don't think he was the most appropriate person at all for it and one of the key ways that's come across is probably pushed by Netflix in my opinion you, you don't fucking film it in English no no that's I don't I don't appreciate that at all. And I'm not saying you can't have an English dub. I I totally think that's a studio thing as well. Yeah, and it's like, why have you mentioned Yeah, Yeah, Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon was in Mandarin originally. It's it's not specifically a film that was recorded in English. It was, Mm. you know, obviously released as such, and that's fine. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it was released in Mandarin initially. And to do a sequel that isn't in Mandarin is surprising and frankly, fucking stupid. Mm. But again, I feel it comes down to the fact you have an English, well, an English language script at the end of the day, a huge English language team behind it, and and you know technically this is a Weinstein production as well because the Weinsteins have the rights to oh. the um, mm-hmm. uh, the Crane Iron Iron Crane Iron Pentasy crane, crane Iron Crane Iron. Crane iron yes, right. Yeah, yeah yep. thank you. So it was a mix between Netflix and, and the Weinstein Company, I believe. But it was it was I mean like the editing. Actually, you know, the music is done by a Japanese person, which again is is is. is a different kettle of fish shall we mm. say i remember the yeah, argument when memoirs of a geisha came out i was like oh mm. <laughs> but um cuz you had a load of uh, chinese actors playing japanese people and it was okay it's we're we'll not getting to that right now but the point is it's a very western influenced film from the ground up as opposed to some in their funding and giving to the right place saying you go make this good mm-hmm. um and i think that really comes across very obviously and the story from what I piecemeal, because my story does follow a bit of the uh, Iron Knight Silver Vars kind of stuff from the for fifth book.
0: That's, that's the fifth book. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Zhang Zi wouldn't come back if Ang Lee wasn't directing. Yeah. And so they had to rewrite the whole thing to make it more about Michelle Yao's character. And it's like, oh no, this doesn't work because her story is done. Yeah. We, you don't need another thing. And you don't have a fucking romance for her when she's just like her, you know, <laughs> and it, it doesn't. It feels like it betrays everything the character was. It feels like an episode of Marco Polo. In fact, Marco Polo had a, <laughs> oh, what's your boy it now? It had a a, a TV movie or a, like a long episode, basically. And I'm trying to remember what they called it. I, th- I think it was about one of the one of the characters, uh, hundred eyes. I think it was about. But the point is, like, it takes place in between one and two series, one and two, and it's like a Christmas special, kind of half an hour origin story for one of the characters, and it was very cool. But in terms of direction. Production value, all that sort of stuff. While it's extremely high and very, very, you know, prestige television, it's not. It's not in the same league because we've now gone from the ethereal light, otherworldly, gliding grace of this. Let's face it: if you look at the cinematography, quite flat in places because it's it's muted colors and it's mm, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a very soft sort of thing, as opposed to a contemporary, hard, gritty. Contrast filled. High kind of of contrast. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this looks and feels different. And that's not necessarily always going to be a problem because you want to say, this is obviously some a lot of time has passed. But the problem in doing that is it feels so disconnected. If you'd have shown me this movie and just called it Sword of Destiny, I would not have known it was related to Crouch, Tiger, Dragon. Mm. Even with them talking about it all the fucking time, it feels like a disconnect.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think uh, to get into kind of the plot stuff a little bit, like the fact that they have that they pick up on, and again, I mean, this might come from the original novel, so it might be that something that appears in in Matt's pitch, to it, but to me, mm. just without that knowledge, it feels very driven by committee kind of decisions in terms of story. The fact that they have Julien come back and bring in a love interest for her and have it be the brother who she was betrothed to before, who died or who supposedly died, and that's, like, that's the whole reason in Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon that she and Lee Mubai can't be together.
0: Because she's bound by that. Yeah, oath, exactly.
2: and yeah. and it's like, as soon as they, I saw that they were starting to do a romance for her, I was just like, fuck off. <laughs> Correct. For, for multiple reasons, because A, like, don't, if you've seen the original film, like, you, you know how, like, how good the romance between her and Li Mu Bai is because uh, that never resolves because that's the tragedy of it. And to then come along with a sequel that's inferior in every way and try and think <laughs> that, oh, we can tell a better love story than that. Also, are you trying to tell me that like like that because it also brings in the villain of the of of Sword of Destiny is the guy who supposedly killed um uh the brother, whose name is Meng, mm-hmm. or um, what's his name? Silent Wolf. Um, Silent Wolf, yeah. It, Meng and Shazam. Yeah. Chiselle. Um, and it's like, you're trying to tell me that Lee Mubai wouldn't track down the guy who killed his brother? Like, <coughs> no. Yeah. That guy point. would be yeah. dead. Yeah. It feels so made by committee, this film. It feels so like, oh, okay. we Well, this character was popular, so we'll bring her back. Oh, you know, we'll. But we also want we want a romance like the the one in in the original between Jen and Lo, That's it. Um. So we'll have we'll have a a, a romance that's kind of like that. And they were they were like bickering, weren't they? Oh yeah, okay. So we'll have one of these romances where they just hate each other and then seemingly out of nowhere just decide. Oh no, actually we love each other. It just seems to so fundamentally un- misunderstand the points of the original film. Like to me, and this is quite a minor point, the fact that it's full of characters who have these kind of aliases. You know, mm-hmm. the the Donnie and his silent wolf and there's this kind of Iron
1: Crow and yeah, all this yeah. sort of stuff. And yeah. it's full
2: of those characters. Crouchy Tiger Hidden Dragon takes the piss out of those characters. It understands that they are faintly, oh, that bit is so the, faintly ridiculous. Yeah. In the in the restaurant fight where where they all approach her and are like, I am, you know, uh, thundering great
0: mountain bear child. yes
2: um, and, it's like, yeah, yeah. and understands that those characters are kind of ridiculous and then this film brings in a whole bunch of those characters and expects and us to take seriously. them seriously yeah. Um, yeah yeah, and it's just like tonally it. there's a moments where it tries to reach for the kind of tragedy of that permeates the original Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon but because it it seems to inhabit a slightly more fantastical world. Like, there's very little sense of this being set in an actual China. Whereas, I mean, like, like, you, like you were saying, Jack, like, it, yeah. the, the first one feels steeped in the history, even though it is a fictional tale. Whereas this one just feels like it's set in a fictional universe that is influenced by China. And they constantly, they talk about, like, oh, I'm going to rule the martial world. And it's like, what does that even fucking mean? Like, <laughs> why are there just these gangs of, like, sort of martial... No, we
0: live in our non-martial world, and they <laughs> live in the martial world.
2: Why are there these, like, big gangs of, you know, Hades die or whatever his name is, who's who's, mm, you know, yeah. it's like, how come the military haven't intervened if he's going around terrorising villages, like... It there's no sense of of actual reality in this film, and so everything feels untethered, and yeah. the and the elements of like tragedy, they, they, there's none of that sense of the weight of society and the weight of kind of their obligations to their roles and and to each other is nowhere in this film.
1: If if you were doing an adaptation of uh Mallory's King Arthur. Mm-hmm. There are elements that are like, well, this is clearly medieval England. And then you're like, no, no, it's not. This is a fantasy world. I don't know what the fuck this is. Like Gawain in the Green Knight kind of shit. And you're like, no, 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 hang on. There's a giant now. <laughs> His head gets but No, we're, we're <laughs> in weird territory now. Oh. It doesn't have the exact same, it, it, as, as Tim sort of said, it exists as a sort of Venn diagram between fantasy and history. And neither is accurate. It's not entirely fantastical. It's not in any way historical. It's just this uh, alternative... Fantasy version of an existence, and the same thing is here. With you have uh, so much like, as you say, that that it, it, it's not anyth- anything close to resembling a real place or real events. So it doesn't follow that logic. And yet you you can have like Hades die smashing a building with his feet, as, <laughs> ah, concrete and tiles. Um, but at the same time, the problem with sort of destiny and the way it's visually presented, in my opinion is that it feels like it's trying to ground itself in reality because that's the that's the contemporary fashion mm. that's the thing to do it's what's it's what's in vogue as it were is to make something look like gritty and realistic like you know the Netflix film version of uh Henry IV and V with um Chalabet. uh Timothée Chalamet uh, yeah exactly and 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 you know it's like, it's like we're going to I mean I mean there already was a gritty realistic version you know done by Kenneth Branagh it was like all muddy and bloody mm. and rah, rah. and this like we're going to go further yeah. you're like okay <laughs> fine He says, fuck. It's like, okay, cool. Um, But it's like you you, sort of destiny didn't need that. And so what you end up with is you're grounding it in reality more and more and more for something that should feel like a cross between folklore and legend. Mm. Something that could have happened, but it's not entirely journey to the fucking West and monkey and all that sort of stuff. It's (laughs) It's not exactly, you know, fantastical creatures. It's not you know a, a contemporary edition like you know like the forty seven Ronin kind of thing mm. it's not it's not like fighting monsters and shit like that, but it's still the whole these people weren't real were they it's like well, they're a thing of legends yeah. so no no <laughs> they're not okay fine
2: <laughs> yeah and it's and it's the fact that they try and ground it in reality and yet so much of it is shot on like studio sets that yeah that that then because you're not putting any kind of Artifice or like color grading on to to make them feel to to match the mood of the original film they they just stand out as like oh no, this is shot on a back lot somewhere in Los Angeles <laughs> rather than like on a you know the 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 kind of production design for character tiger hidden dragon it dragon is so amazing as well, and so much of it feels like it was actually shot in these real places you know in uh, sort of thing.
0: You believe those bamboo forests?
2: Yeah, stuff. Like, it was yeah, absolutely yeah.
1: Mostly shot in um, New Zealand, wasn't it? I think I mean, mm. in mostly rather than on location, mm. studio things. But I think they were initially they were going to be shooting because this thing is quite a turbulent film because it was like, as I said earlier, Zhang Ziyi was only like I'm only coming back if Ang Lee's back, and Ang Lee's like, nah. And I actually, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if they asked him. I can't remember. I don't think I've even talked about it. It was mostly what they had, you know, in terms of like cast and crew and things. And That's like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're gonna film it in uh in China and it's like, well, maybe we're not gonna do that. Yeah. I was like, why? What's going on?
2: It wouldn't surprise me if it was in usually because there's, there's a couple of Australian actors in it. Um Chris yes, Pang, exactly. who I've yeah. seen in other stuff and he's been he's in crazy rich Asians, I believe, and it's really yeah. great in that. Um and it's fine in this. Like most of the acting actors in they don't it... they're not given much to do on yeah. I I think that's the thing, it's like there's it, it, it all feels so surface level. I was Mm. uh, when I was watching it, I kept thinking of there's a John Mulaney stand up bit where he talks about when he was writing at Saturday Night Live and he was writing uh, and Mick Jagger was the host. And Mm. when Mick Jagger didn't like a joke rather than saying like, oh, I think we can do better than that. He'd just go, not funny. (laughs) <laughs> While I was watching this I kept, I kept My brain kept going Not sad <laughs> Tim
1: Tim has devolved From That's not how boats work To
2: Not sad yeah. Not
1: martial
0: arts That's
2: no. not how that works
0: That's not how emotions yeah. work <laughs> Not <laughs> sad
2: Not sad enough Yeah No
1: yeah. <laughs> the, the pure Mick Jagger influence But you're right It, it is it's a weird thing, because watching this movie unfold, I wanted to like it from the very get-go, because I like with Jack, I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be the best.
0: What a brilliant idea for Netflix to do. That, great yeah. idea. And the fact that it was one of the early ones, as you mentioned, Tim, like, they're doing a sequel to Crouching Tiger. Fuck mm. yes, that's a brilliant yeah. <laughs> idea. <laughs> what, what a great, a great, time great starting to bring that point back. for, their, such for a, their new yeah. production and stuff. What? This could be a new thing in the future of cinema, which it kind of has been, but not because yeah. of this film,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it was, just, and because the thing is that when Catch and Tiger and Dragon came out in the first thing, people said, "What can I watch that's similar?" And as we said earlier, it's like, "Well, there's lots of things you can watch, but not of this calibre in terms of the money that's gone, not in the mm. polish." So if you watch something that's older but still really good, other boosha stuff, you're going to go, "Eh, I didn't like that." It's like we know because yeah. you want to watch that again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, stuff that's made twenty or thirty years earlier. Yeah. Like, so suddenly well, you get
1: this huge money investments and things like, as I say. Hero and and house fire and daggers and other bits and pieces that come out of the same sort of era. It's the same sort of thing here, like, oh, well, you could do more with this. You could you could do something very interesting. And uh, not to spoil my pitch too much, but based on what I could fucking glean from the synopsis of, of Iron Knight, Silver Vars. <laughs> Xiao Yao's character's not in it. She's she's done. Her story is done. It's not about her. So when they say it's it's very loosely based on because the whole like um, concealed identities and kids and all that sort of stuff and that's there but most of it is just sort of manufactured from nothing and i think it's like it's it's it, uh, it's it was perfectly said earlier in the episode it feels like a sequelizer's pitch but like a really bad one yeah. like we've held some auditions for a new sequelizer and we're like i love what you're going with this i really think you've got a potential but not funny <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like no that's not gonna work because i think you've lost the reason... And, and again, this is the key thing here. If you don't know why the thing was good in the first place and your replication isn't making a statement or moving it on or doing something mm. that's just important, why the fuck are you doing it other than money? And I think the truth is just... Yeah, yeah it, does,
2: it doesn't It does feel like anyone came to this going like, we've got a great idea for... Yeah, the, we need to honour the memory yeah. and elevate it. It felt like they nerd. went, oh, that, that property's been laying dormant for a while. We could make a sequel to that yeah. and it probably wouldn't be too expensive.
1: We've got this IP line about, we need to do something with it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what this is, depressingly. And on top of that, as another minor little thing, it's only sort of saving grace is that it's shorter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's not like a three hour feature. It's like, thank fuck, it's 100 minutes. It's two
0: hours, it is. isn't it? Which is still...
1: Feels- no, it's, it's, uh, it's like an hour and 40 minutes, I think.
0: Oh, is it really? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's like oh, it's God. it's quite tall.
1: To- it's it feels a yeah. lot fucking longer. <laughs> feels longer, that's but it's thing, actually
0: yeah. like oh, this isn't really. You know, the, the thing with Netflix films, the first one's only a couple of hours. Yes, again, that's we, true, yeah. but but feels epic. Well, that's
1: that's really yeah, very cleanly done. Yeah, yeah. And it, there are so many. St- I know. We, all you can do is a comparison
0: because it's it
2: it, it, inv- it doesn't invite comparison. Yeah.
0: Yes, it doesn't allow you to say this is its own thing. It never tries to stand on its own laurels or stand. By itself, I think mean, the like the classic "you just don't do it" mm. answer to the problem with is oh, yeah. <laughs> just like just leave Crouching target It's it's fine. It's a perfect little masterpiece. You just leave it there. Don't touch it. It's fine. Mm. And when people do try to do something that yeah, just keeps referring back to the masterpiece. Which mm. I mean, we talked about with like Two Jakes, for example, is the like yeah just kind of do something and then it refers back to the first one and then <coughs> it's not chinatown and chinatown's like an all-time classic mm. well yeah why did you think you were going to re- replicate like <laughs> yeah one of the greatest films of all time kind of thing like it seems like companies are obsessed with doing this like there's an all-time classic that hasn't had a sequel well it's uh it's been about 15 years <laughs> how about we try one you're like who thought that was a good idea? No, don't d- d- Sometimes
1: and, and the problem some, is that be, occasionally be a, it works. Yeah, there'll be a handful that where it works so well. They're like,
0: "What have we got that's old?" And that's and yeah. and then there's been a recent, uh, not not to harp on Stuart Maine's two favourite films, but twenty four Blade Runner twenty forty nine and Mad Max Fury Road are perfect examples of that. Where holy shit, it actually worked. There's under no circumstances should Fury Road be any good, but Fury Road is arguably the best mad max mm. film mm. and it should not work <laughs> at all and george Miller should not be making a good mad max film with bringing back toe cutter <laughs> r.i.p as the bad guy like what in some weird like is it a prequel is it a sequel is it yeah, an yeah. interquel thing nobody fucking knows like that shouldn't work and blade run 2049 shouldn't work and granted that doesn't for some people but sure, I, I, sure. I think that film does And I think people have got it in their heads now of like, well, that worked. If George Miller can make a fourth Mad Max movie work, then fuck it. We're going to do all of these films Mm -hmm. as well. And now all these fucking sequels, and granted, The Two Jakes is obviously a much earlier example of that from Mm like 70s to 90s kind of thing, but... It's, I'm worried it's becoming a trend of like, yeah, let's take all the things you love from the 2000s. Oh, you want a fourth Matrix film? No, we really don't. Well, you're going to get one because <laughs> congratulations. like, for fuck's We sake. thought we'd have another stab at it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Like, and we fucked up the last one. Have another one. Sometimes, sometimes like, that can I'm work.
1: We, like, we might get a sort of a, a, a real The Matrix redemption. Mm. We're like, fuck, that was the best that fucking brought me back. I love it again. And I'd love that to happen. And this is the key point. We don't say, oh, these things should be in a vault and never touched. Sometimes, every time they wheel out a new example, I'm like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and it's always Indiana Jones. <laughs> 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 but, That's a good example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm still hopeful that Indiana Jones 5 is going to be good. I'm still hopeful the Matrix 4 will be good. I was hopeful Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2 would be good because there is, as we have always tried to prove with this show, there is always potential to do something. Even if you should leave it the fuck alone, if you've got an idea that's good enough, and the idea was the first inception of the story, the first moment out the door of like, I've got such a story I need to tell. Mm. Or in, in the case maybe of Mad Max, I've got something I need to show you. Mm-hmm.
3: Because that's the thing as well <laughs> with,
1: like, with some of these spectacle movies, like even with Crash, Tiger and Dragon, you can describe the story. You can describe things like, yeah, it sounds cool. It's like, yeah, but you haven't fucking seen it. <laughs> you don't know what yeah. it's like.
0: Sorry. There's a fight in a restaurant. Cool. <laughs> Go watch the fight and then come back to me. The <laughs> thing falls over at the end. It's really funny. It's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> sounds funny. funny. <laughs> Not
3: funny.
1: <laughs> but it's like, sometimes you need that passion behind it. And I don't, I think while there are a lot of passionate people working on this movie, on Sword of Destiny, who are exceptionally fucking talented, I think all of them were tied into a bad script and the worst and fucking reason to make it churn through the corporate
2: bullshit. Mm. most well. definitely yeah that's the thing it's got to come from a place of i have a story to tell rather than we want to revive this property now someone write a story for it because to to or,
0: or, or even worse they take a script that already exists yeah. and go uh <laughs> <laughs> cloverfield that it, yeah. fuck it. That yeah. do it it's a totally a cloverfield movie it's got anything to do with the ones uh no, but we'll rewrite the last ten minutes so it does.
2: <laughs> because, yeah, to 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 bring it full circle and back back to what we said at the beginning. Executive producers don't know when things are going to work, and so why yeah. why would yeah. they look yeah. at you know your Mad yeah, that Max executive f- producers? Tim's calling yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, why would you look at Mad Max Fury Road and and you know Blade Runner twenty forty nine and go like, oh, clearly everybody wants. Sequels to films from years ago. It's like no, they just want good films. They want films that are good, whether they're regardless if
0: it's tied back to a thing from thirty years ago or Uh, another one recently.
1: Deadpool's really good. People must love swearing. (laughs) It's like they want their superheroes to swear. and then Logan did well. It's like oh no,
2: it's like no, they want good (laughs) films with where you take the character. yeah. Uh, Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah. No. Um, I, more good films, more original yeah. ideas, please Entire. And, and just, to, just to give you a teaser
1: A teaser, mm. ladies and gentlemen For oh, next we week go. Sometimes you oh. can have a passion, you desperately want to bring to cinema And you leave that in the fucking box <laughs> It does not deserve to come out I know you want to I know you want to make it work I know you believe in it But that dream is a
0: fart in a lift Leave it alone <laughs> Leave the door closed Some doors should remain closed Yes <laughs> I believe
1: in the story I believe that Yeah I know you do And you're wrong (laughs) I'm sure some of the listeners Say to that About our pictures as well Easily Fuck them (laughs) Time for an ad break Before we get going any further First up we have Stitcher Premium You can listen to some Of your favourite shows Ad free with Stitcher Premium Uh, Plus get access to Stitcher Originals Bonus episodes Comedy albums And more It's $4.99 a month Or $34.99 a year and is a very good saving. We obviously support Stitcher uh, because it is a good podcast-centric app choice. Uh, to sign up today, you can go to stitcher.com slash premium and use the c- promo code SEQUALIZERS. And we'll give, we, we will give you a free month of time with Stitcher Premium. Our second sponsor this week is FedEx. A new year brings a new beginning. For any of our listeners that own a business, we want to tell you about FedEx Office. If you're just starting up or have been running your company for generations, FedEx Office gives you the best way to print marketing materials, posters, science, graphics, and so much more. With FedEx, creating, editing, saving, and ordering are fast and easy. We've teamed up with FedEx and Podco to bring our listeners 30% off your first, or so, off your next, or I should say, of $100 or more at podgo.co slash fedex so that's podgo p-o-d-g-o dot c-o slash f-e-d-e-x
0: for 30% off your next order FedEx the world on time and before we get to Matt's pitch of fixing Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon Sword of Destiny it's fairly straightforward gentlemen there's two of them let's talk some rotten bloody tomatoes shall we One's really good, one's really shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Spoiler alert, yes. And I hinted at this earlier on, and I'm not wrong. I- I'll let you know now, there is a significant difference between these <laughs> two films in terms of both audience score and indeed the Tomatometer. So, Matt, since you've uh, done the research, you're writing the pitch and all that good stuff, let's start off with you. What do you think is the Tomatometer score for 2000s Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. I'm going to quick draw on this. I'm just going to just go ba-ba-bam. Ba-bow. speed chest style. Okay, here we go. Here we go. 95 25. 95 25. Okay. okay. That's what I'm thinking. 70% drop prediction. <laughs> I should point out. Interesting. I think, I
1: actually think, now I've said that out loud, Crouching Tiger might be slapped a little bit by, frankly, just racists <laughs> who didn't get it. Um, I can't read. I think the, I'm
0: not, I'm not the other one is
1: might actually be a little higher than I expect just because not enough. People uh, you said it now. Netflix, you said so quick draw. I've, I've said submitted. it now, but you know, yeah.
0: Hand off the chess piece, Matthew. That's the
1: rule. I'm too busy
0: touching myself. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, how about you?
2: Yeah, I think I would go for the for the first one, I'm gonna say like eighty seven. Um, Ooh. I think it belongs 16. higher, but I think I know I know I think mean. there will be some people who just didn't there get will it. Be people who don't yeah. want to read subtitles, yeah. Yeah. Or people, or people who have been told, like, "Oh, it's this great action film. You should go watch it," and then watch it now, and I like oh, I didn't like with bits where they just stood around and talked about feelings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole fucking point, you cretin. Genre films
2: can piss off a lot of critics at the time, but as for the second one, I think because it because it begs comparison to the first film, and because it was an early Netflix original, and I think there's going to be a lot of critics who were like, well, if this is the kind of thing Netflix is going to make, then oh, pish yeah, posh, yeah. I'm going to go even harsher than Matt. I'm going Ooh. to say fair, fair. 20%. Oh, okay. Ooh.
0: Well, it's not a clean sweep. It's one apiece this time. Oh, now. okay, mm. okay. The first film is a 97%. Oh, oh wow. Oh, good, good. Good, good. yes, that. it that deserves is, to be That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and the second correct. one... You absolutely nailed, Tim, with a 20%. <laughs> oh, it's on 20? On 20. On 20. <laughs> Bang on 20. So a 77% um, good. difference. Yeah. I don't think we've seen a difference like that since Mulan and Mulan 2, <laughs> and perhaps Aladdin and Aladdin 2, where they yeah. are... Mulan 2 is famously a zero yeah
3: that, Like, and oh, rightfully my, so yeah,
0: yeah I mean this
1: is Th- this is still accomplished in place yeah just like I said I, I, huge I like
0: little moments and bits and pieces but 20% feels about right and mm. uh I've, I've got one of the positive reviews here as I like to do <laughs> okay. and I'll read <laughs> wait, it wait. in its entirety because it's in- sorry a positive review of the second one Sword of Destiny correct oh yes. fuck me alright I'm ready I'm ready it's very short so I'll read it in its entirety I was like oh my god this guy he really likes this film. Mm. Turns out he wrote like four sentences about it. So maybe he <laughs> okay. We're all here to see if Sword of Destiny was worth a decade plus wait. It totally was. <laughs> That's the opening line, and I read that and I was like, I have to read this review. What yeah. The fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Yuan Wu Ping's direction is strong throughout the wicked plot. Oh, no, and leads. <laughs> Sorry, Mich- the wicked you plot. Heard me. And Michelle <laughs> and leads and leads Michelle Yao. And Donnie Yen carry the film with charismatic mastery in and out of the fight scenes. Despite all the wooing, and all Asian. I, John Wooing? I, no, it's, <laughs> it's not capitalized. Yeah, it doesn't mean he's not so trying, like, to, try, true. trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's Romance. a lot of slow motion in the second one, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, An really. all-Asian cast speaking English seems off for this cult classic se- cult classic sequel, and shout-outs to Jackie Tran's Junk and Master feel all but heavy-handed in delivery. I'm like, is this a positive review? I don't know.
3: Mm, okay.
0: However, with breathtaking wire work, I'm like, okay, yeah, worse than the first one, but sure. Fast-paced action, <laughs> hmm, kind of not the point, mm, and yeah, nods to it. cinematic cult Asian classics, Netflix's Sword of Destiny is Superb. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny is worth the long wait, but Netflix funding, quote, Western Asian cinema, when great local films already exist, feels bizarre. Doesn't feel like a positive review to me. <laughs> Four out of five. Oh, fucking like, hell, all right. He says, like, okay. two. This is great. It's brilliant. Totally worth the wait. Although it really hits the mark, and I don't really like it. Four out of five. <laughs> what kind of weird fucking review? I, I, I feel th- the review could make sense. If
1: it was read out like a 1920s or 1930s news uh, uh, reader, like, the Waiwakas are thundering! And it's like, it's like, what are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense. Yes, but I've only seen my first
2: Asian movie! Despite hey. <laughs> all like, oh. the wooing
0: and all Asian cast speaking English seems off for this cult classic sequel. And shout outs to Jackie Tran's Drunken Master feel all but heavy handed in delivery. Yeah, that, that's how I feel that should be read. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Um, yeah, yeah I just like uh... to pick a weird random Is that on Rotten view. Tomatoes? Uh, this was, uh, was published it? on one room with a view.com uh <laughs> written by the reviewer andrew daly Because oh. i was going to say if it's if it's, a, if it's a rotten tomatoes like I, st- I mean i got it from rotten tomatoes so it's linked through rotten Tomatoes.
1: yes and so their standards are really questionable
0: at yeah. this point yeah. <laughs> yeah well yeah we know that when we had an entire thing talking about a oh, completely yes. separate film true, that, true. that is Very not true. about football <laughs> I don't know if you remember that correct i remember that yeah 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 so in summary, ninety-seven percent and twenty percent. about I'm okay right. with that. I, yeah, I would no say
2: twenty percent feels a little bit low, awesome. but I think it's the th- it is it's the fact that it's a crouching tiger, hidden dragon film. I, if yeah, it didn't have that name yeah. attached and it didn't have those associations, I think it'd, it'd be it, like a thirty forty. It'd be th- say, yeah, well, it'd be like yeah, a forty percent film. You chuck
0: a twenty extra twenty percent on there if it's not. Oh, by the way, we're crouching tiger too. We're yeah. Like, well. No, you're
1: not. (laughs) (laughs) This is always a problem. It's like I mean, we've discussed this so many times. We're gonna slap a a brand, recognizable brand name on it, and the only people it's gonna do is it's gonna alienate certain people who like the franchise, and it's gonna piss people off.
0: But it's also gonna draw people in who've never heard of it. It's like no, everything here is gonna fail. And yeah, and we've talked about this on prequels and sequels before, where you get name of the first film colon generic subtitle. Or something completely unrelated, like for example, I did with um, my Hannibal equivalent mm. uh, pitch, mm. where it's like, well, it doesn't say Silence of the Lambs, so how they know it's going to be a Silence of the Lambs <laughs> film? Like, well, how mm. do you know Silence of the Lambs is about Hannibal Lecter? Because you do, because it is. Whereas <laughs> yeah. like, and then we said like Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises doesn't work because you've got Batman <laughs> Begins, the Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises? Huh?
1: Weird, okay. Don't, don't worry. I'm about to do the exact same thing. <laughs>
0: so, cue us in, Matthew. What? We'll, what? We'll, let's get into the pitch. I'm excited. I'm intrigued. Tell okay. us more. Uh, it's not called Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Anything? Hey. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: I I would possibly accept Is it
0: maybe House of Throne Knives.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would accept maybe the studio going with my title and then a very small subtitle or even a. Uh, a poster tagline saying "A crouching tiger, hidden st- dragon story." Oh, like Star or Wars. Arc- <laughs> Some, yeah, something like that. Just as so to, if you Star want Wars to sort story. of on a poster, but the film doesn't have it in there. This is from if you want to put it in promotional material, fine, but not.
0: We don't control the, the posters,
1: ladies and gentlemen, as much as we wish we did. <laughs> That's John carrot. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot to cover here, um, and yet there isn't, so because <laughs> it's actually quite straightforward. I can't make this movie without Angley. -hmm. Okay. I know there's lots of really competent directors. I know there's tons of people. I I had considered using um, uh, Zhang Yimou, who's done some phenomenal stuff. Mm, Yeah. Um, Like again, Hero and other bits and pieces and Shadow and various things. So there are many capable directors, but to capture the. The flow and beauty and simplicity of this film. You I can say magic, Matt. It's fine. You're allowed to say magic. <laughs> um, I'm not. Okay. I, don't have a, I don't have a good experience with you the magic. How I don't have a Six-Year-Old. Too many either. of my friends think I'm a fucking magician. So um, <laughs> basically, to recapture that, I think a lot of the, the cast and not the cast, sorry, the crew need to come back. You'd, behind the camera needs to be the same thing. Now, this is tricky because it's doing the thing we do with other films. Like, I really want Guillermo de Toro on this. But then I have to kill one of Guillermo (laughs) del Toro's films. I'm like, oh, fuck. So in this case, I am actually going to delete a film.
0: Mm. So yeah, that is the thing we kind of, we don't necessarily talk about that much. We did, I feel we talked about a lot more in the earlier seasons where
3: Mm.
0: not only have you got to pick a crew and a cast that you like and you think would fit your pitch and all this kind of stuff. You've also got to fit it around their schedules or Mm -hmm. as you said, fuck it. Instead of that, I'm making this. Or mm-hmm. instead of that, they're directing yes. this or whatever. And that's an interesting interesting little twist. So tell us more, Matthew. Okay, so I was going to initially say, we don't need the Hulk. We don't need Hulk
1: 2003. <laughs> but I actually think 2003 for Crash and Tiger and Dragon, I don't want to say it's too soon because it's not, but then the market starts to get flooded with the lots of f- similar mm. films. And I don't want the to be lost in The aforementioned Hero and
0: that. House of Flying Daggers being perfect Precisely. examples of that. I, I don't want it to be lost in it. I want it to come back at a bit of... Yeah, prestige. It, it almost could, yeah, a, a yeah, it could potentially year. kind of just feel like, oh, it's another one of those things. Mm-hmm. I've just I've just watched three of those in the last three years. That's for whatever. It's fine. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I can totally see what you mean. So, I'm not
1: getting rid of Brokeback Mountain. Fuck that. that that's masterwork. Yep. I'm not getting rid of Lust, Caution because that's bloody amazing. Leaping over a bit, 2012. I'm not getting rid of Life of Pi. I really enjoy that film. I don't like Life of Pi very much, but it's
0: fine. Nobody, nobody
1: cares about it. I know. <laughs> it's, that's so true. However, and this is a tricky one here. Taking Woodstock was a very mediocre movie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think it got like maybe like 50% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. And it made, eh, I want to say it made its budget back. but I don't think it did. I think it made like a third of its budget back. Yeah, it has it was a 48%
0: on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, there we go. And mm-hmm. made a third of its budget. So oh, okay. it had yeah, a budget yeah, of 30 yeah. million and a box office of 10. Yeah, so, yeah. Maybe it was a fifth of because, you know, advertising and all
1: that yeah. we always say.
2: <laughs> oh, their yeah. budget is actually not, much
0: bigger than that.
1: Not, so, yeah. not
2: that they advertise this one particularly heavily. <laughs> no, no, no. No, that's no, the
1: no, thing. No. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a sort of a, a failure on multiple fronts. It was like premiered at, at Can and didn't go anywhere and it flopped all over the place. And you can always say, Well, hang on, if you didn't have this film, Dan Fogler wouldn't have done whatever and then obviously Leave Schreiber oh, the, wouldn't have done a it. butterfly like, yeah, effect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, true, maybe But I want a good Crouching Tiger yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So I'm getting rid of that 2009 release mm-hmm. And I'm releasing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2 Which I'm about to talk about in a second In 2009 Most people should be available And or make themselves available Because I think they would mm. come back for this stuff
2: I think with Ang Lee coming back That before he's got obsessed with 60 frames per second or whatever Exactly, he's not done his Life of pie. everything should be
1: CGI Sort of stuff, and it's like, he's not He's not gone that far yet. So I, I think, and 2009 is a tricky one because the amount of CGI, I think he'd be like, it would be refreshing the amount of practical effects mm. in a world of like, for, this is, uh, you know, this is the uh, the same year as Avatar coming out. Mm. So you got like- Oh God, oh, yeah, it this, is, yeah. So this would be, I would see this as almost the thing to go as like, Avatar's amazing, all the, oh, it's so, it's the highest gross thing. It's got the most amazing visuals. like, yeah, but Crouching I think it, Dragon, Dragon 2 is like, showing us why you don't necessarily need that. The I think that would be interesting. Oh, Fuck James. Yeah, Cameron, in a way, yeah. in a way. So, the film is called Avatar. Oh. So, is called Avatar. Iron Knight <laughs> Silver Vars Avatar 2.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, Iron Knight Silver Vars, which, which is, is the name of the book. The name of the book, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yes. And it is actually relevant to the plot. So, <laughs> good. Um, right, the returning cast.
0: It keeps the name convention as well, which the... Mm. that will be the thing that will be familiar two yeah, word exactly. comma two words it flows in the same maybe not the same amount of syllables but I think mm. it has enough no. connective tissue there structurally for people to be like oh that makes sense there's Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon sequel mm-hmm. yeah if it was just yeah. called like I- The Iron Knight you'd be like oh, well, that's a bit weird mm. but yeah. yeah that works
1: yeah I think I think it's uh, again it, marketing wise can, it can talk about tra- Crouching Tiger all at once but it's like this is what we're calling it and in the same as uh, again Jack's um, uh, Science of the Lambs sequel is a perfect example because it's like, yeah, that just fits.
0: Science of the Lambs, we- the eyes are a window. Similar amount <laughs> of syllables, similar amount of yeah. words. It all kind of yeah, it works. Flows.
1: Yeah, it's it's the it's the it's the, rhy- the rhyming nature of it all.
0: Not that it literally rhymes,
1: but it, it has a familiarity and a, and a a structure to it all. It's very uh, branded, shall yeah. we say. That makes sense. Some brand. Yeah. So returning cast is is the actual uh, eponymous Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon themselves. So in the role of Lo. Or oh, well, sure. Oh. Let's see if I can do this without fumbling. Lo Xiao Hu, which was played by um Cheng Chen, uh, he's coming back as Lo. That's no problem with that. Zhang Zi is coming back as yo Jiao Long or Jen, uh, because again, I think they'd come back for Ang Lee quite easily. I've only got two new named members of cast. Oh
0: wow! Hold on, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't cast. Other people, as such, I mean, there are other characters. Lots, lots but these of are cool two martial arts art stuff
0: happening around. <laughs> <laughs>
1: cool wizard shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. So the role of uh Han Ti Feng, Feng in general, is how we got thing. The Iron Knight ah, is Deng Chao, and he was in a TV series called The Royal Swordsman. He was in Assembly, which is a war film. He then goes on to do the Four Trilogy as uh, different films with a sort of historic. Uh, Wuxia kind of feel to them, and he was in a big schlocky movie called The Mermaid and Shadow, which is a Zhang Yimou film, and that's really good. He's he's very capable, very enigmatic. Um, Shadow's a great the one presence. I've seen
0: and I like. So, yeah. yeah, Shadow's yeah. a
1: fantastic film. I think oh, it's good. In the role of Shui Ping, or just Ping in this case, uh, the silver vase is Xu Qi and she is interestingly she's Taiwanese. Um, she was in the transporter, uh, the TV series *Romance Red Dust*. It was on to be in *Journey to the West*, one of the adaptations, and most importantly, *The Assassin*. I fucking really enjoy that film. And she was, I believe, the choice for Jen before shang Zi took the role. Yeah, oh, really interesting. She, yeah, right. So she's—it's almost like give her a different shot at this. I think it could be interesting. And she's a very capable actor, and she's very good. i say *The Assassin* she gives a very, very uh, interesting role in that. So I think it's—it's it, it's an obvious choice. And they're all capable, all accomplished. And this is also a key point here. This film will be shot in fucking Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> and it will not be Correct a answer. sense of, yeah, I'm not having this uh, in English. Um obviously there'll be a dubbed version, obviously, but I think the, the subversion will be the one that will be. And I also I think the audience has now changed. I think 2009, there'll be less demand for a dubbed version in general, if I'm honest. I'm not saying that it won't exist. I'm just saying that won't be as big a thing. Um, anyway, so that's where we are. I've I've taken there may be some bits that sound familiar and slightly familiar from 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 sort of destiny because I'm salvaging bits from the understanding of what I have of uh, the cranine mm. pentalogy. So yeah, we should just kick off. I think. Cool. Several years after the events of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, we see a moderate estate in the forest. A door slides open to reveal a dying woman cradling a crying baby. The baby is rushed inside and cared for by a maid, while the head of the household, Han Wei Pei, speaks with the dying woman. She says she has done as promised and dies. Pei returns to the... Nah. Pei returns to the adjoining room and looks at the now calm baby. He then explains he will grow up to overthrow the emperor and names him Han Ti Fang, the Iron Knight. That's a old name for a baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. Every name's bold for a baby. My, babe, my my name is Matthew. That means God's gift.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a bold thing to say. you've lived he's up he's to the So I expect. I'm expecting a lot from the Iron Knight. Fair enough, I apologise.
1: <laughs> Do continue.
0: <laughs> Got a lot to live up to. And you have. Job yeah. done. <laughs> Several years later, we are reintroduced to the adult Fang. He and a small group of warriors are storming a snowy mountain temple. After an elaborate infiltration, Fung finds himself in an inner sanctum, tearing through scrolls. The sound of a spear tip scraping along the floor alerts him that he is no longer alone. Behind him is the owner of the hideaway, Lo. Hey, Lo's back. Mm-hmm. Who asks why this man is ransacking his home. Fung proudly proclaims that his father's dying wish was to dethrone the emperor and seize control of China. He heard that Lo was once a master bandit and knows a way to enter the palace undetected. Lo confirms Fung is correct, but he would never help someone with so few manners. The two fight to the point of exhaustion, but Fung is able to claim victory when Lo is momentarily distracted by the attacker's eyes. I should point at this point, I was like,
1: why, why, why would Lo be worried about people's manners? Because he's older now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's
2: not a roguish guy. He's a cool he's guy. He's settled down in, in his age. Yeah. Jen awakes, instinctively aware that something has happened to Lo. Sensing the disruption, her student, Chun Shui Ping, silver vase, enters her master's chambers and asks what is wrong. Jen explains that Ping's training is at an end, and she must journey to the palace to protect the emperor. Ping protests, but Jen explains that this is her final instruction. Ping then looks towards the green destiny, sat upon a stand. Jen reminds Ping that Sir Tai gifted it to them, but it is not something given lightly if it is to come to Ping it will do so as a result of great hardship. Ping doesn't understand, but follows the order. Jen packs limited supplies and rides north.
1: Feng's men leave Lo's cell, having learned what they needed about gaining access to the palace. Feng then taunts the captive Lo, and they discuss the end he seeks. Lo mocks the younger man, saying he has taken all the mistakes of his past, paired with all the pressures laid upon him by his parents, and misinterpreted them as destiny. Feng doesn't initially rise to the bait, once again crowing about how he will rule all of China. Low cockily admits he understands the young man's aspirations for greatness and wants to know what he will do with that power once he has it.
0: For the first time, Feng's confidence and arrogance drops and he realises he doesn't have an actual plan. Seeing this, Lo doubles down and explains power is not a prize to be won, but a responsibility. He compares power to love, which draws Feng's focus back to the cell. Realising Lo has freed himself from his shackles, Fung takes up a sword, and the two fight. Despite being unarmed, Lo is a formidable opponent. But again, distracted by something in Fung's eyes, Lo is killed. You killed Lo. <laughs>
2: yep. How dare you? Kill the
0: past if you have to.
2: <laughs> Ping arrives at the emperor's court and is granted an audience solely because she carries the seal given to her by Jen. The court advisors are extremely cautious, but hear out the comparatively rustic woman. Feng and his forces at plan the attack on the palace based on the information they were able to get from Lo. Haunted by Lo's words about his hollow motivations, he maniacally demands loyalty from his men. The group explains he already has it, having been with them since childhood. Feng is momentarily satisfied by this, but starts to quietly acknowledge to himself that he has no real plan once ascending to be the emperor.
1: Following her audience with the Emperor, Ping is set upon by an advisor who recognises the seal and asks if she serves the disgraced Yu family, highlighting that the Yu's cannot be trusted. Ping explains she serves only her master and the teachings of the Wudang Scroll, but her mission is to protect the Emperor and she will do, and she will do that
0: until her last breath. Running through the bamboo forest, not along the tops of the bamboo, I assume. Just Um, through the forest as normal. I would
1: actually say they're sort of doing a sideways run. Oh, nice. Nice. That's
0: pretty cool. (laughs) So concealed by the top of the trees, but still going up. Cool bouncing back and forth. Cool. Running through the bamboo forest at the foot of the mountain towards the palace, Fang and his men are ambushed by Jen, who challenges the Iron Knight, armed with the green destiny. The two fight through the trees in classic Crouching Tiger style, I assume. Of course. Yeah. Every time Fung appears to lose his edge, his men step in, only to be scolded for interfering. In truth, they're a little match for Jen. The two warriors finally square off, staring at each other, the camera focusing on the intensity in their eyes. You're really loving their eyes in this one, man. <laughs> very, very eyes! I should have called it
1: Hidden Eyes, Crouching Eyes, Look at the Eyes. <laughs> but I was vetoed.
0: By, by, by who? Myself. Okay. <laughs> by your sense, your common sense. Yes. In this stillness, an arrow sails through the bamboo and catches Jen in the rib, bringing her close to Jesus Christ, Matthew, killing Lo and Jen. Furious. It's tragedy. Yeah, you've gone from romance to tragedy. Furious, Fung instantly kills the man responsible, again screaming about loyalty. Admiring Jen's sword, he claims. Oh, God, he claims it. Oh, no. <laughs> the dying Jen looks up at Fung, holding the sword, and momentarily has a vision of Lo in his place. She begins muttering to herself, and as Iron Knight comes close to hear her final words, she says, So much like your father, but in Mandarin. (laughs) I don't speak Mandarin. No, that's the only bit that's in English. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only bit that's just awkwardly dubbed for no reason. Fung is thoroughly thrown off by this. He tries to interrogate
2: Jen about her meaning, but she's already gone. As night falls, the palace is quiet, the ceremonial guards largely absent, and a stillness across the multi-layered compound. Feng's forces storm the palace, but as they reach the inner walls, arrows rain down on them. Feng realises too late that not only were Lo's directions flawed, but someone must have warned the Emperor of his intention. His men are largely killed, but Feng himself is able to scale the wall and make his way into the throne room. There he finds only Ping waiting for him. Seeing the green destiny in his hands, she momentarily sheds a tear for the loss of her master, that steals herself ready for the fight to come. Feng immediately picks up on this and taunts his opponent.
1: Composed, Ping adopts a battle stance and explains her origin to Feng. She details that she studied under her master, Zhen, Lu. No, sorry. <laughs> Zhen Yu, but knew she could never surpass her. Despite only knowing Zhen and Lo, treating her as parents, she was aware that they would never truly allow themselves to be happy until they found their child. Having heard enough, Fung launches into a fierce battle that circles the Great Hall. The fight spills outside, with the battle between the Emperor's guards and Fung's forces
0: raging below. A snow begins to fall in the courtyard. We need the Snow fights are cool, that's mm-hmm. just, yep. just a fact. Fung and Ping square off. Fung notes that she fights with extreme grace and skill, highlighting how she seems to possess the qualities of those he fought previously. Ping backhandedly returns the compliment, mentioning that Fung lacks the specific training, but clearly has the raw potential in him to be worthy of the sword he carries. Ping continues by explaining how she came to be in Jen and Lo's care, that she was probably nobody until a vengeful concubine stole her away in order to switch her out for Jen and Lo's child. But the concubine did not know the gender of the child, and with limited options,
2: traded an obvious counterfeit. Through flashback, we see a young Jen giving birth to a baby. She and Low celebrate and discuss their plans to name their son Silver Crane. In the night, a masked woman breaks in and steals the baby, supplanting it with another. The baby who was left begins to cry, alerting Low, who gives chase. The masked individual fights valiantly, but is wounded, only managing to escape by using torches to set fire that Low cannot get through. Low returns to Jen and explains what has happened and she demands to give chase, but feels she cannot simply leave the newly delivered child unattended. Over the years, they search with their young girl at their side, explaining their son may be lost to them, but one day they will find him. In the meantime, they will train this girl with honour, giving her the name Silver Vase. Back in the palace,
1: Ping explains her masters were unequalled and could not simply be defeated by some bold bandit with lofty aspirations. She surmises that Feng is in fact... Silver Crane. Remembering stories of being brought to his spouseless father as a baby, Feng quietly confesses the loneliness of his ascent to the throne, pushed on him by an overbearing parent who never showed him anything he could describe as love. Feng acknowledges the possibility that Ping's story is true and asks if they are the same, questioning the duality of villain and hero, both blindly obeying orders from a master with no end goal in sight. Ping corrects him and says she has a path and a
0: destiny, but it
1: is one without a fixed destination.
0: Ping calls Feng her brother and extends her hand, but he lashes out and they continue sparring. As the fight slows down with the snowfall increasing, Feng is assaulted by the memories of his fights with Jen and Lo. He is then struck by visions of a young boy training with them before, finally seeing himself as a man by their side. Feeling the truth within himself but unable to forgive himself for his actions, Feng purposefully leaves himself open and is skewered. The snow falling and instantly melting on the warm blood... Fang smiles at Ping before
2: struggling to place the sword on his chest and finally dying. A cross dissolve pushes the story ahead several months as we see Ping ascending a mountain, the rising summer morning sun cutting through the trees. Entering an overgrown ancient tomb, Ping takes out the green destiny and places it on an old mount. She stares silently at it before turning and descending the Wudang mountain.
0: Interesting, interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, for any people who have seen Sword of Destiny, will see the elements there that carried across. That I presume yeah. you were taken from the uh, the actual book. That's correct. Yeah, and and I got to say, while I was watching Sword of Destiny, I was I can't remember the name of the the woman who mm. is the 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 mother in that. Who's who's like, oh, she's she's some great warrior, and I was like, oh, that's clearly meant to be Jen, and would have been if if yeah. they'd got uh Zhang back. Yeah, no, I thought I thought that was good. I think it you've given it a lot more it's not as busy as Sword of Destiny. You've stripped yes. out a lot of the nonsense that they have. Um <laughs> and yes. I think the the thi- you know we we talked about how the fights in Crouchy Tiger are so emotionally driven you know in, mm. in the words of uh bruce lee you know what we need is emotional content um <laughs> and so many of the fights in sword of destiny are just like well we just need a fight now like yes. there just yes. there should yes. just be a fight um and there's there's very little of that this this feels a lot more the the fights are driven by the story and they and they come out of it a bit more naturally
1: yeah where where is the, I, I wanted to do something because again it's the nature of like g- gleaning what I could from the book because mm. again there's no cl- clear full synopsis or adaptation that I could read through and research fully unfortunately not at least that I could get hold of. Mm.
0: I believe there's manhwa version which is non Japanese manga versions of Crouching Tiger and maybe this as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I I, I haven't again I in, in my sort of say I just wanted text in general. it's pretty tricky. But I I decided or or, or um. I realized that the general theme went from a romantic love to a parental love, and I wanted to do something that was a difference to the spring summer feel of Crouching Tiger, and Dragon, i.e., the spring of young love and the summer of older love, like the last summer wine kind of thing. Like it's gonna very much what could have been and has already passed, and the and you know the days are getting shorter kind of thing. And I wanted this to feel like an autumn winter thing. So at the start, we got lots of the, the sort of autumnal years of somebody's like. Forcing it onto someone else, for the new life and the winter, obviously with the snow, later things like that it is very much like. This is going to end up with a lot of death. So whereas it's like so much about love, this is about everything going wrong, painfully, painfully wrong, all because of. And like in the same way, the cultural societal uh, um pressures on Chai and Fat Michelle Yao's characters, and it's like really, it's like yes, and the same thing here is like well. Why don't you just get the kid back? So we tried and in the meantime, we were raising this kid because it's the right thing to do. You can't just abandon this person mm. and just the botched job at the start. that's so simple. that goes wrong. I think it's the nature of it being that sort of folklore legend. The, the, it, it sounds like it's quite, it had the potential to be quite trite in places like, Oh, switched baby. And then they become <laughs> friends at the end and then kill. killers. Like, yeah, but that's kind of the, the back to that thing. I mentioned earlier that familiarity. Killing off the line and having the sword returned, it puts this strange tone at the end where because the thing is crouching Tiger and Dragon, the first one does end with this very interesting odd tone to it. Mm. You don't have the whole like upbeat ending, even though it's kind of upbeat. It's just a weird forlorn sense of wait, what is what's happening here? Yeah, and I the that again. the
0: first one Jen mm. like flies off into the clouds. Jumps off a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. Oh, she's dead then. Okay. Like, <laughs> but just uh, like the, the, you I guess you could interpret that ending in a few different ways so that's yeah. the thing when I, mean, yeah, when I first watched it I obviously thought that mm. but as an adult well, I thought she was just dead yeah yeah. Um, yeah
1: yeah I think
0: it's the nature of obviously
1: in a world where you can fly and jump and stuff it's more about that's the, the thing yeah. yeah yeah the leap of faith what are the rules um, but, but I think it's interesting because I wanted this and um, this would be more about a visual thing than it would be as I said earlier a film to show you not a film to describe as it were mm. and this is going to be more about the idea that the green destiny might not actually be something
0: good. It might be more like a curse. Mm, It might be something like that was something I definitely picked up on from your pitch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I like the way you changed. So again, for those of you who haven't seen the the original sort of destiny, there's a birthmark thing that identifies the character in the, in that film, whereas you've swapped it to like they can see in his eyes, which is a lot I want more to be eyes, yeah. Kind of martial artsy film <laughs> as a way more classic, like zoom in on the eyes. Yeah. And as I you said, it, like the camera yeah. specifically focuses on the character's eyes, which I like. It's the fact that they can't kill him, yeah, they can't, and they're not fighting
1: at their fullest because it's like, but also they don't want to just say, Hey, I'm your dad, I'm your mum, because that just doesn't work either. It would just also because it's like the juxtaposition of. Low is this? Actually, both of them, both, 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 Jen and Lowe are both these really high-spirited characters. They're really it's it's like what would what would happen if you took someone who was bolshy and brash like these characters were in their youth, and much of the same way like Jen's upbringing, twist that into something awful. But unlike having that sort of cathartic nature of oh, I know I'm being manipulated here, and I'm not getting past that, and having to have the person that you would have raised as if they were your kid, you know, with the same in- things you wanted to instill. It's, I wanted to do a kind of nature versus nurture love story in a weird way. And, and push as, as weird as it sounds, push the concept of who you are, not genetically, but inside, um, and who you are born to be and what shapes you. The fact that if you have almost like an, an adoptive family, whether forced or otherwise, if that can bring something out about your personality in a different way, does it change you? Does it change what your projection would be or your trajectory? Would you be a different person? Do you have a connection with that individual? Do you then, if if all you've known is to be raised by this person, but that person kind of hates you and actively tells you every day, oh, you're you're not mine. You're not my child. I just, you're going to do this because I tell you to, that kind of thing. Pushing that constant agenda, does it twist and contort somebody? All this kind of psychological Manipulation, uh, but again, as hard it is to describe in this synopsis, much like the way that the uh, the original films. Why I had to get angry for this. That would be stuff that is shown to you. It would be stuff that we shown to you subtly over how people hold themselves and talk to things and, and how they compose themselves. It, it would it would be in there. It's it's a very hard thing to get across in a fucking <laughs> narrative like this. We have a limited mm. word count and things, but yeah, that's
2: what I was aiming for. I think my my, my kind of not criticism, but something I'd like to see I, I would have liked to see more of Feng and Ping as they grew up and the idea of the the, the kind of environments that they were in. but if, if if you're going for more kind of like we get that through contemporary things I think it could still do with mm-hmm. perhaps just a scene, perhaps like Fang's kind of adoptive father
1: mm-hmm. uh, him. Being dismissive and things,
2: yeah, and perhaps him dying as the motivation for Fang to then, you know, really cement his, thing, yeah, yeah, um, and 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 just, uh, I think you need more of a sense of where Fang is coming from a little bit, um, sure. to to get the tragedy of the fact that he was, you know, stolen away and and it feels like he's kind of been crafted into this weapon by his father, mm-hmm. that he doesn't really. Like he's never really questioned it. And when he starts to question it, it's both a sign that he's kind of getting close to finding out what his real identity is, but it's also the the tragedy of, you know, like as as yes. as he starts to doubt himself, that's that's when the truth creeps in, but it's also when mm-hmm. he fails, basically. So I think, yeah. I, I, think, I,
1: would never uh, uh, that. I think that's really solid. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think a, a little bit more of just their and and I think with ping you know just seeing the tragedy of kind of yeah of of being brought up by someone who who won't acknowledge you you know even though you are essentially their child in in pretty much every regard they're like mm. no you're not you're the, you're a student. you're the you're a student you are the replacement yeah. for the child that was stolen but you aren't, you know and you're just like yeah, yeah. and I'd imagine that, there's st- there's
1: still a distance there yes. even though it's not necessarily intentional yeah yeah um, I, I agree with you, Tim. That would be, I mean, as we, it's such a thing we keep coming back to, and I apologize we keep doing this, listeners, but this is like, I think, a 1,700 word pitch. Mm-hmm. And you're like, every time you come close to a thousand words, you think, well, I better not go too far into this. But you're right. I think that kind of development would be mm. very, very crucial and good. I, I don't want to bounce around too much. I know we got like the flashback mm. scenes at the end and the book and things at the start, but I think you're right. I think that kind of padding would be beneficial,
0: definitely. I had almost the exact same point about phrase criticism for mm-hmm. to, to add something more because i the the way as i mentioned that the first one gets the like interweaving stories of kind of the legend mm. of the sword and then the bandits show up and then you kind of realize it's all it eventually interconnects but it starts off as this kind of although oh, the, it turns out they're all after the same thing really and they all end up meeting and mm. you get sure. low and all those guys might meet intertwining their various stories it feels there's, there's no B-plot, really. It's kind of like a... It's those two and their, for of a better phrase, destiny. Mm. You know, and the sword of destiny, if you will. Battling back and forth. And like you said, I think there's a lot of... It, it's the classic problem, as you said, we get with these pictures. We're like, cool fight happens yeah. is three words. <laughs> but that could be yeah. 12 minutes of screen <coughs> time. So it's like... Yeah, it's it's difficult to kind of... Especially with something that I think... and. As you said, when you're showing and not telling and then writing that you're showing and not telling in a pitch, it's basically impossible to convey. Yeah. So um he balances on the, the end of a branch and then <laughs> backflips off in a like cool light way. <laughs> Unless you're literally describing blow for blow, moment for moment, or at least like trying to capture the emotional side of things. Yeah. That would be incredibly boring to listen to and boring for you to write, where it's like, okay, so uh, he throws a punch and then she blocks, and <laughs> then she gets she pulls the sword out, and then he kicks the sword out of her hand, and then like it would just be not engaging for the listeners, not engaging for you to write, and I think the fact that you went for the kind kind of similar in a way that I did with the two Jakes, I guess in a way where I was so yeah, focused yeah, yeah. on that emotional core, you kind of almost have like blinkers of like I'm I'm, I'm ignoring everything else, this is the focus. You focus, mm. zoom in on the eyes and focus mm. on. The duality of the two characters and that kind of thing, I Mm. think, is it's it's clearly an important core part of that film, and I think that's why it works as a sequel to the original because you have, Mm. you know, uh, the, the again the two central characters that are like so. It's a different kind of longing because I guess they're siblings in a way, but they're long, they're long lost siblings, but not actually siblings. And it kind of reflects the romance of the first characters mm. and and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's
1: yeah, and the idea that these two people are connected via the by Gen Lo, but they don't have any real connection to them because that their encounter with them is completely different. I mean, Fang's first interaction with these individuals and he kills them. And he doesn't feel anything about it. because like, eh, just one more thing on the rung up ahead. No, it doesn't actually have the impact it needs to from his side. But again, it's, the way I would describe it is that the way to say like, okay, what's the key point in this fight? Well, it's the the similarity between Lo and Fung, but subtly for the audience. You're like, okay. And that's like... What do I need to tell the people to get across in a very simple couple of sentences so we don't bog this thing down as Jack said with a blow by blow thing? What you end up doing is saying, okay, Here's the opening of my song. It goes, and then here's the solo. <laughs> and that's the really important bit. That's like, okay, what about the rest of the song? Well, that's important, obviously. I can't tell you about that right now. Okay, so you uh, just play so that smidgen. G, G,
0: G, C, A, 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 yeah. D, B. And that's important because B, C, G, I've been doing the whole
1: verse in a similar <laughs> thing as a leitmotif. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and even with the, the the stance between like the, the way that um Low might slide his foot, for example, getting the stance would be the similar thing that almost instinctively... Fung would do, and he just like looks at him and raises eyebrows like that's yep. interesting. Exactly, and that yep. kind of shit is there, but it's again, you don't want to get bogged down with it too much because yep. when you describe it in the script, it's like, "Oh, by the way, she says this," and it's like they've been saying lots of things back and forth during <laughs> the fight, or nothing at all. It's just been exchanged with you know mm. physicality, mm. but to get that across in the script is really fucking tricky. But I I agree with both of you. By the way, I think you're right. I think I think to enhance the tragedy because if one's about f- missing a forbidden love and that kind of thing and, and also let's face it the, the love between Lo and Jed is a tricky one as well mm. but they change who they are across the course of the thing for yeah, each other and stuff so yeah. um, I wanted that to be there with like what happens if those guiding forces weren't involved and you had these individuals who is like completely stoic nature versus stoic.
0: nature almost kind of thing yeah isn't it? exactly yeah, yeah. yes yeah.
1: and one who's completely wild and you're like what about those two things it, the, you know the, the sort of like the tragedy here is like well if you didn't have this perfect environment this crucible where you could actually make it, like, be a good basically in the same way that Yao and Chiang Fat could have been the perfect couple, mm. but aren't allowed to be, circumstance means that these two could have been perfectly suited for each other, being the, the sort of fire, water, cool, calm mm. and hothead kind of thing. But they weren't allowed that because of circumstance and everything. That, and they would never would have been together. But the fact that they're now in a situation where the tragedy at the end is like, nope, you never could be this. This is a, it, it, All that kind of shit. Mm. Yeah. I could bang on about themes for, for a long time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think you did you did a really good job of like uncluttering, sort of destiny, and this this hasn't got any of the, just the goofy stuff that that permeates mm-hmm. that film and makes it uh, tonally you are much closer. I think not to not to reclutter your script. I think yeah. it 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 would <laughs> well, almost
0: matters more clutter. <laughs> yeah,
2: it would almost be interesting if there was a third party and you could get a glimpse of Fung and Ping working together briefly at one point interesting um, like maybe like I, yeah. having <laughs> you know like a another group that's attacking the castle or something oh you uh, have to unify they, for that yeah. purpose yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you just describing them then actually made me think of um, Samurai Champloo
0: oh
2: <laughs> um, brilliant nice. love it nice.
0: with Mugen and um, yeah I mean that's another comparison that but as soon as you said teaming up and i thought this as we were reading through the pitch it's Ray and kylo ren
3: ah Mm. yeah
0: like the dynamics there of like whose side are you on and it's nature versus Mm -hmm. nature they're Mm. both skywalkers let's not get into that (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) they're both force sensitive individuals chosen for dark and light and all this kind of stuff and you Mm -hmm. had that moment of them like facing each other and seeing the parallel to universe save an emperor. Like, oh God! Mm-hmm. <laughs> to save an emperor yeah <laughs> i I, t- I totally saw last jedi vibes there and the moment you said they team up i was like it's the throne scene in last <laughs> jedi where uh, they can fight we fight and they fight and they fight and then they realize like oh shit we need to work together mm. maybe i don't know not necessarily the emperor but somebody wants to stop them or wants the sword or knows knows the secret and wants to keep this quiet that, you know, Jen and Lo's baby is out there and you get a third party that they then have to -to back-to-back with lightsabers (laughs) fight off the fucking Royal Guard and stuff. Yeah. I I did initially have a
1: third prong, which I didn't put on there because, again, as Tim said, I wanted to be very streamlined and very Mm. straightforward because in a legendary sense of the term, you don't tend to cluster it from the main characters, like, just go straightforward with these things. It was initially going to be about the Emperor in, in a manner hmm. of speaking, because of the idea that it's like one of the big things is like what happens when you get this position. Come back after? as a clone by any chance? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, no, just the idea that um, a lot of this things about power, seeking power because it's expected of you, and that's a very you contemporary political as thing.
2: As unlimited power. Unlimited power.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, more the sense of like political leaders of of, 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 of today. Um, I was like, why do you want to be in charge of this country? Why do you want to be a mm. ruler? Because I was expected of me and because my father Tom was like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? What are you going to do with it?
0: Yeah. It's like, what, what is your, what is the point? <clears throat> I really like that about your character of Fung, where it's like, You're going to be an emperor. And then what? Uh, then, then I'll, I'll
2: be <laughs> the emperor. <laughs> and then I'm
0: the emperor. End of
1: the yeah. story. So I had a whole thing where I was eventually going to do it, where the Emperor was, in fact, like did need to be fucking dethroned. Um, but then it was... Um, okay, so initially, this is, you know, almost beside the point, but it was going to be a point with the... Because um, I put this thing about how one of the the courtiers was, wasn't happy about Ping being in there and didn't mm. trust him because the Jews were all traitors and things like that. And the, the family work couldn't be trusted. And I thought, I want to go down that more. And the idea that the Emperor also technically wasn't... Uh, a good person, as initially had been mm. foot, uh, presented, as it were. And then the idea that, although that person wasn't suited for office, as it were, or suited to be in charge, neither was Fung, but Ping couldn't because she wasn't of royal sitting. So th- just the next person takes place, so as there would be even more tragedy, it would be the idea that it would end on not only would be so much death, it would also end on the concept that, don't worry, there'll be someone else to be put in charge who is equally in and unfit to, to rule. Mm. And the idea that nobody's really fit to rule. Mm. You just get it or you fight for it. That's mm. it. And I thought that doesn't really feel like where the story goes. It doesn't feel personal. It feels too much. It feels like a Matthew story about politics. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a ma- uh, 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 the sort of legend it would could and should be. Yeah. And it needs to be a personal tale that feels I mean, for example, King the, the, the legend of King Arthur, most of it talks about, you know, various bits and pieces and 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 you know the ruling the Britons mm. and all that shit um and and the betrayal of lancelot his closest nearest dearest with his with his wife guinevere all that sort of shit that's that's the personal shit mm. it's the it's it's the soap opera crap you get drawn in by mm. not and of course ruling england was one way of doing it but then he also had to rule the scotland and yeah. france how could he make an alliance
2: it's like is the taxes that he levied in you know
1: yeah it's like that's yeah. that's the public interesting but the, not the point yeah it's the kind of bit you skip over in the story if you're telling it to, to yeah. your kid or whatever. So I wanted to get that angle there. I thought, ah, I'm not going to complicate it. Mm. I, I do see what you mean about the a, a third force or something. Just needs
0: more lightsabers, is my, what I'm saying. I mean, I can't believe it's so
1: Star Wars.
2: I think I think there <laughs> should be a moment where you have Fung and Ping, and they both kind of want to go for the Green Destiny, and they both really want it, and then <laughs> it like snaps in half, and then you could have a third film where that doesn't come up again ever, even though it, you know.
0: We do a third one where they kiss for no reason. Yeah, yeah. this would be
1: the end of the story. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> the <laughs> end. Correct. There is no more. It, it doesn't, we don't have a thing that comes after this. I did actually think about the Green Destiny breaking, I'm not going to lie. Although, The Last Jedi aside. <laughs> um, because I, I genuinely thought to myself that the sword is... Cause, but, but, no, 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 that's the whole point. The sword outlives everybody, because yeah. the sword
0: literally is a tool to kill people. It ends lives in more it's ways the than classic one. classic thing of like, If you carry a knife, you're like 10 times more likely to be a victim of knife (laughs) crime. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Suddenly there's a knife in the vicinity of the thing that is happening and you. So you carry a sword, you're more likely to be killed by a person wielding a sword or turning that sword against you. So yeah,
1: yeah, that makes sense. I think I wanted to to push it. I did. I, I could probably put a lot more in there, but again,
2: time. Yeah. No, I think I think the things the things that you kept from Crouching Tiger and the things that you removed from Sword of Destiny were all the right choices. Um, and I nice. think bringing An- Lee, Ang Lee back is definitely the right move. I can, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I think it's the thing of like you can't imagine anyone else telling this story. Like it's so.
1: Well, as I say, I had lots of alternative directors, but it didn't feel it would it would fit. Yeah, if you know what I mean.
2: It it it's so. The balance that he has between a Western storytelling sensibility mm. of uh, and and those kind of courtly dramas type stuff, yeah, but also a knowledge of China, its culture, its mm. you know its traditions. It it's it's such a a unique angle that he can bring.
0: Because Ang Lee is yeah. Taiwanese, um, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah, believe so. Is. Yeah, mm. yeah, because and again- he,
1: he, he does write about family mm. almost all the time. Oh yeah, it's Caution's different cuz about, you know, spies. But um <laughs> sexy spies. Uh, <laughs> sexy spies. But yes, I it, that family angle was kind of crucial. And again, I on paper I always worry when I when at the end of it, I thought, oh, "I'm happy with this." And I thought it sounds really cliche. I was like, "Yeah, cuz it's a fucking fairy tale. <laughs> of course it's going <laughs> to sound yeah, like exactly. that." Which again, like the, like the star wars comparison? It's like, "Yeah, cuz that's what it's kind of drawn on. Yeah. It's it's the sort of Asian fantasy." It's like, "Well, yeah." But with, you know, in, a, in swords a space and setting.
0: sorcery kind of shit. Because yeah. there's a huge argument, and let's not go on a Star Wars tangent, but that no. Star Wars is barely sci-fi. It's way more of a fantasy story of good versus yes. evil yes, and magic. That and just and hap- and all that, that kind just
2: of happens stuff. to be in space.
0: And yeah, you yeah. re- replace the horses with speeder bikes and all that kind of stuff, and you basically just mm-hmm. get a Star Wars. Whereas they are a lot of similar kind of lines. This is sword and sorcery. You know, Wuxia is basically that fantastical historical chinese fiction kind of thing where you get the it's fantasy but it's kind of again ethereal and dreamlike and well these are legendary legendary mythological mythic mythic kind of characters and all this kind of stuff and -hmm. that works perfectly well for something like this and i think having the sword be like a legend of its own and then the fact that oh is it is it good is it bad is it cursed is it the greatest sword ever you know ever forged all this kind of stuff Gives an interesting twist there as well, I like that. Because legends can be misshapen or forgotten well, over the years It's one of those things well.
1: I realised that everybody who has the sword in the first film ends with a fucking miserable story. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they don't get what they
0: want. And it's like,
1: yes, that is your destiny.
0: <laughs> so, that is your pitch for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2. Which is not what either of those films are called. Yeah, <laughs> 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 It's what I call it, because... Sword of Destiny, that's a terrible subtitle as well. It
2: is, yeah.
0: Weirdly enough, it's kind of appropriate to your film. For my uh, story, because, yes. yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't call it Sword of Destiny because that's not what the sword's called. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think I think it is called Green Destiny. It's Green Destiny, but it's not No, I, I mean, Sword I think the subtitle for the film is Green Destiny in Mandarin, I think, or something oh, like that. Oh, all right well, but that would I, make I did sense. read it, it sort might have one. been Green Destiny and something else. So it's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Green Destiny, which is just as bad... It sounds like it's a three thing That's that's like being like Star Wars lightsaber. You'd be like, what? Green (laughs) Destiny. Yeah. King Arthur, colon, Excalibur. You're like, yeah, we know that's the name of the sword. Why are you you naming it what? We have had an Excalibur film, to be fair. Yeah. But it wasn't called King Arthur. It wasn't called Arthur Excalibur. It was just Excalibur, right? Although, wasn't uh, the King Arthur movie
1: technically called Excalibur Rising? fuck off no was it was it? called oh, the Guy it was Ritchie one legend of the sword oh that's yes. worse,
2: that's where, where worse. We
1: i'm pretty sure i heard it was that the sequel or something. Rising. the something i feel the like Excalibur rising Rises. was what it
0: was called a different part of the world i hate it so much anything either with way, rising? <laughs> piece <laughs> of shit yeah that was your iron knight silver vase pitch that's what it's actually called mm-hmm. damn right well done matt you've thank you fixed a terrible netflix movie yeah. our first netflix movie and i'm sure we will get to more in the future because there are certainly oh They're... i forgot to mention this will be released in the cinema yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah sure <laughs> 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 oh by the way i'm making money on this
1: <laughs> 2009's netflix isn't happening yeah, yeah no that's not as a, no. as a dvd <laughs> Yeah, it's
0: exclusive to straight to dvd but only for rental through netflix system is. yes
2: it? Oh. Not, put not it on to... your list yeah. and you'll get it at some point some point <laughs> <laughs>
0: when jim is done with it oh god that was such a weird isn't that crazy the netflix has come from basically blockbuster to yeah blockbuster the through the post. streaming yeah bizarre but anyway if you have any thoughts questions ideas dear listeners you can hit us up on social media if you haven't seen crouching tiger hidden dragon the first one go and fucking watch it and then Remember tweet at us and say oh god damn masterpiece so Thank you so much for introducing me to an absolute masterpiece. And we'll be like, you're welcome. It's
1: if you didn't like it, go watch it again and try again. You fucking yeah. idiot. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Review like said, the evidence. Watch it, watch
0: it back to back twice and think about your life and how much better that <laughs> film is than your life. Because it's amazing. And don't watch the second one. But if you do, then, uh, you know, let us know. What, what did you like? What did you prefer? All that kind of stuff. Give us some feedback. You can... Hit us up on all the social medias. We are Sequelizers on basically everything. You can even join us in our Discord and hit us up via email. All the links for all that kind of stuff are on our website, which is Sequelizers.com. Links to Patreon are also on there as well, as well as all the possible podcast services you could possibly need, all linked on the website there as well. If you want to hit me up, I am JLW Chambers on basically everything as well. You can find the links to that also on the website. Matt, how about you? If they want to discuss some whooshar with you. Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z
1: on the various social medias. You can go to also theredrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews or cheesemen.com to see the things I make. Tim...
0: Uh, Fluttering Pigeon, Tim
1: um, <laughs> oh, we get, We're
0: getting legendary Mythological Chinese names now
1: Just Tim uh, It's either that or Ham Porsche from recently um, <laughs> On the Twitters uh, Where can people find you on the internet, Tim?
2: Twitter, trivia underscore lad Is me, uh, it's the best place to find me For uh, Talking about films uh, And anything that I've done recently Did some writing about comics recently Which I linked on there Uh, which people may enjoy, especially if they've read Giant Days, which is a very fun British comic series. Uh, You should also come join us on our Discord, which is a lovely community full of our executive producers and other supporters chatting about the show, films, and pretty much anything else, Uh, just being a wonderful group of people, uh, I think especially... Mm -hmm. As as we have left twenty twenty behind, everybody has been a uh, a fountain of support uh, for each other on there. Um, and yeah, you should yeah. you should also find our account on YouTube because we'll be doing more and more live streams this year. Uh, and even if you're not a Patreon supporter who is coming to join us on those live streams and ask questions and, and hang out with us while we play games and stuff, uh, you can find the live streams on YouTube afterwards on our Sequel Catch License the account. VOD on the YouTubes, baby. Watch it at your own pace. Pause. Now watch it at your own peril, because we make some controversial <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> decisions on those fucking seeded director
0: choices. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we've got a game where we basically have all the particular director's films in a big tournament that is seeded. Tournament arc. Uh, a tournament arc basically for d- for film directors we start off with coen brothers and to say the chat were unhappy with some of our selections <laughs> is an understatement Ooh. and uh yeah go and, go and check yeah. out search search for sequelizers on youtube you can find us there nice and easily again links on the website it's all there on sequelizers.com you can find absolutely everything you could possibly possibly want including merch by t-shirts by posters, all that good stuff. We're working on new merch for 2021 as well. There's going to be more Patreon-exclusive stuff. There's going to be more publicly released stuff. We're designing them right now. We're coming up with ideas. We're discussing them with our artist companion, the fourth sequelizer, John Scarrett. We're working on it. Don't you worry. 2021, it's going to be a big year. 2020 was a big year. We did weekly episodes, apart from Christmas Day. But we did weekly episodes. (laughs) We needed a Christmas break. Give us a break. But. We're here. We're going to be here every single week for 2021. So thank you very much for your support. I hope 2021 has gone off to a good start for all of you listeners. And uh, I hope 2021 is better than 2020 for us, for you and for everyone. I like the idea that we, 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 we clarify we're, rec-
1: this is the first recording for us of 2021. Yeah, yeah. For you guys, this is like the fourth episode, of
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but it still stands. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for the support, thank you for listening everybody and we'll catch you next week.